Hello, it is Ryan, and we could all use an extra bright spot in our day, couldn't we? Just to make up for things like sitting in traffic, doing the dishes, counting your steps, you know, all the mundane stuff. That is why I'm such a big fan of Chumba Casino. Chumba Casino has all your favorite social casino style games that you can play for free anytime, anywhere with daily bonuses. That should brighten your day a little. Actually, a lot. So sign up now at ChumbaCasino.com. That's ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. BDW. Void. We're prohibited by law. See terms and conditions. 18 plus. Keep your immune system functioning properly. And especially in the times to come, it's only going to get worse. And who knows? It could have been something in the chemtrails. You know, it could have been something from somebody in town that we came into contact with. Or we could have touched something that somebody that was sick had touched. Uh... Could have been something, somebody prepared our food, you know, and they had been sick. And from what I've read, that happens quite often as far as, you know, people, instead of staying home like they're supposed to, like they're taught when they go to classes, when they are in the food service industry, you know, they're taught that they're not supposed to, if they're contagious, come into work and all that. But since a lot of them don't get paid if they don't work, they go ahead and come in sick. So it could have been somebody at a grocery store, you know. So I don't know how we got it. I know that some people that Frank talked to or one person in town had the same symptoms as as what he had experienced and I did too, uh, which seemed kind of like food poisoning, but it wasn't. So as far as I know, you know, something was going around here locally. Um, but anyway, I have heard about other people that have the, the respiratory it sounds like the same thing, maybe condition, and who knows? So it could be some kind of something out there, some bioweapon, you know, the powers that be have put out there. I have no idea, but it seems like a lot of people from a lot of different places, states, you know, people that come to our chat room and people locally and people in nearby states and all over, uh, including us, we, we all seem to come down with the same thing. So, um, So that's just more reason to to take the things to keep the immune system functioning highly um and you know things like vitamin c and the the lipospheric kind of vitamin c which i totally think is is fantastic uh the live on labs type i told you about so many times uh we happen to have run out of that unfortunately had we taken that when either of us had these illnesses, we probably would have gotten over it in no time. Um, I know I was reading some information um, from Dr. Tom Levy, and he was talking about how, you know, he didn't know anything about the lipospheric vitamin C a long time ago. Now he he totally loves it and everything um, and endorses it and all that. But but back then, he, he was a doctor, a cardiologist, and... You know, he he was he was familiar with vitamin C, and he did have a vitamin C clinic and gave his patients vitamin C intravenously. And so he got he got really sick. And so Live On Labs, the company, the corporation, had given him a box of their product, the lipospheric vitamin C, and it comes in like 30 packets, 30 grams of vitamin C, and it's extremely bioavailable, meaning, you know, the body can use it. It's very potent, uh, probably the most potent type of vitamin C, at least that I I know of. 
And, uh, you know, he says the same, uh, that it rivals the intravenous kind. And the intravenous kind, you know, one would need a lot more of that to get the equivalent dose as what's in this little package of one gram of vitamin C that's highly available to the body. Because as I've told you, you only get 19% of what you're given intravenously when you take that type of vitamin C, the, the sodium ascorbate type of vitamin C, which is what it seems you know, the doctors use when they give it to you. So, you know, the kind that you can just purchase over the counter online or at your local health food store if they carry it is just very potent. And it's really easy. You don't have to have a needle stuck in your arm. You don't have to have an IV. You don't have to worry about contracting an infection from an IV, which is how that happens, how one can get, you know, maybe a staph infection um, it, it has to be from being stuck, and so that's something we don't want to deal with. All the vitamin C would heal that, you know. If one took enough of it and took it often enough and did it in the proper manner, they could be healed of that or um, a blood infection like sepsis, etc. But why even go that route? Why even go to a place where there are a lot of sick people if you can stay away from that? Why not just you know, what I, I think would be the best for me anyway, and Frank, we believe, not, and staying away from the doctors and the hospitals and the allopaths and um, treating ourselves at home. So had we had on hand, like we, oh, you know, we did for a long time and we ran out and we didn't unfortunately get any more, that's our fault too, um, we, we should have done that and had it on hand, like I tell you. So I I do plan to get some more, you know, and to stock up, especially since with everything going on and it seems like it's getting really bad and a lot of people think a lot of these things are going to start happening soon, you know, and then if we can't even get it anymore, now's the time to stock up on it. So I'm going to try to do that and to get some and have it on hand. But anyway, so Dr. Levy, he had been sent this box by Live On Labs of their products and he had never tried it, didn't really know anything about it um but he was taking vitamin c he was taking it orally the the kind that you mix into water the crystalline type of vitamin c the ascorbic acid and he he ended up having diarrhea you know he he got to bowel tolerance and he had diarrhea so you know and that's when you just need to back off and take a little less and and really, when you get to the diarrhea point or the bloating kind of or gas point, that's when you know you know okay this is my this is when I need to back off a little bit and take a little less because you know my body can't handle as much as I'm taking at any one time. But it's good to get to that point because that changes all the time when one is sick or injured and it changes every day. It could change you know depending upon a lot of factors. So he got to that point, and he was like, oh, you know, <clears throat> I don't want to have this diarrhea type thing. Well, he could have just backed off. But anyway, he thought, hmm, hey, wait a minute, I've got this box of this other stuff. And the only thing I remember them telling me after I threw it in the closet a while back was that it, it you can get your vitamin C with no diarrhea. So that's why he ended up taking it. That's the only thing he remembered about it that they had told him. So he ended up taking it. He was really, really sick with the flu, he said, the the worst he had been, it seems, you know. And he took it, and he said in 45 minutes he felt like he hadn't ever even been sick. 
So then he said he did what any scientist type would do, and he forgot about it, you know, didn't think about it until he got sick again. Then he reached for that same type of vitamin C. He ended up taking it again, and he got well in no time. And his family and friends experienced the same when they got sick and tried it. So, you know, or, hey, it could be taken on a daily basis to prevent oneself from getting sick. And if if one does get sick, you know, uh, it can save that person's life. And I told you about Alan Smith. It saved his life. So you've heard the story. So that's all I can tell you. I'd be stocking up on it if I were you, and I'm going to be myself. So we'll be right back.
studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Since the beginning of the United States, kings have sought it, nations have fought for it. It has been traded, borrowed, purchased, and stolen. There is a reason for it. To secure the blessings of liberty to ourselves and our posterity, invest with the security of gold and silver. Call Discount Gold and Silver Trading at 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Listen to Financial Survival with your host, Melody Cedarstrom, on American Voice Radio Network and Shortwave Radio. Visit DiscountGoldAndSilverTrading.net or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. For the very best in gold and silver trading, call toll-free 1-800-375-4188. That's 1-800-375-4188. Call now. Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for one forty. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System.
Okay, welcome back to New World Order Info. I'm Melissa Roxanne, and it is my live show tonight on Monday, August 3rd, 2015. And you're listening to me on TheAmericanVoice.com. You can also go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and check out all the different ways to listen to AVR, and there are many there. Okay, so I was telling you about the lipospheric vitamin C by Live On Labs. And that's L-I-V as in Victor, O-N as in Nancy, L-A-B as in boy, S as in Sam, dot com. So it's liveonlabs.com. Just like live on, you know, uh, live. L-I-V, leave the E out of that, though, and then O-N for own, and then labs, liveonlabs.com. And their lipospheric vitamin C, that's the only product that Frank and I have tried. They have other products as well that I I think would be fantastic, although we have not tried those. And I do know it's available online. Uh, We don't get a thing for promoting them. We never have even talked to them. Uh, or told them, hey, you know what, we promote you all over the place, you know, like I do constantly for years now. Um, You know, hey, can we get something free out of you? You know, like a lot of radio networks would do. They basically would never say a word. Some of them take 60%. You know, if they have a guest on that's selling some kind of book or supplement or any product whatsoever, video, DVD, whatever it is, they're they're getting some money. Uh, there are people out there that'll take sixty percent or more, you know, of whatever that guest brings in, and they'll make them go through their website and the whole nine yards. They can keep track of the orders or whatever. Um, you know, they do stuff like that. But you know, we we really don't even have many sponsors, honestly, because you know we just tell you what we believe in and we tell you what works for us and. It's not all about money, 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 stacking up the, you know, $100 bills like a lot of places. And, um, you know, we need money to run the network and everything. But like Frank says, we don't have a lot of overhead. We don't have, you know, we do have overhead, believe me. He he kind of underemphasizes it, I think. But we don't have a $250,000 mortgage, you know, or more when you add the interest in like most people do. Things like that. So as far as that goes, we don't have that kind of overhead. But we do have expenses for running the network and not just for being online because there's a lot of so-called networks or people that call themselves networks that they only have one show and they're calling themselves a network. And you'll hear them promoted quite frequently on certain shows on AVR. But it's just one person doing a podcast calling themselves a network, for instance, okay? Um, so they don't have the kind of expenses that AVR has. And so, yeah, we do have expenses, like the satellite bill is a, a huge one, like the size or twice the size of a lot of people's mortgages or three times the size or their rent, et cetera. You know, so that's quite expensive every month. And, and then there's there's a lot more expenses where that came from, you know. But so, yeah, but we don't have, you know, we don't have to make a lot of money like like some people out there do. And I know some people, they're bringing in millions, you know, just running a network. Um, and they think, they act like that's not enough money, you know, to do it and it costs so much money. So 
Um, yeah, I guess if you have every expensive camera there is that costs $30,000 a piece, you know, it gets a little bit hefty on your expenses. And so you got to have all these money bombs and things like that. And, you know, you have to be constantly crying for money, even if the Illuminati is supporting you, really. Um, but I guess it's all about the money for some of those types that people think are the biggest patriots there are. So I used to think that about them, too, or about one of them. Although years ago I woke up to the fact that, you know, hey, they're working for the they're working for the powers that be, you know, and that's why they do have all that expensive equipment and the latest in every kind of technology and they live in the million plus dollar mansion and stuff like that, you know. Because they they probably most likely sold their soul in order to get promoted to become that biggest, you know, you know, one of the biggest voices out there, if you want to say that or whatever, and and the one that ends up on television, the one that's on C-SPAN and on a lot of different cable shows that are getting promoted on those news shows, you know, a lot, and every time some false flag or something happens, or maybe they'll say, oh, this crazy person that threatened to murder a bunch of judges uh, is a big-time uh poster over at a certain patriot, you want to call them, or patriot for profits place, you know, forum. So they always seem to plug that person and other people that really are, are just out there putting out information that the powers that be allow and want them to to say, you know, and, and it may seem like good information, it may be good information, some of it or a lot of it, because, you know, they're not going to be able to constantly just lie about everything, they're going to have a lot of truth in it, but they can only go so far, or they're told, you know, what they can say and what they can't say and all that. Anyway, we do appreciate those of, those of you that do support us, we don't get much support, honestly, as far as donations, uh, we don't cry for it either. So, you know, but those of you that feel that you can do so or do so already, that's a wonderful thing because we always have expenses and equipment that has to be replaced and stuff like that. And, uh, you know, we we really don't don't charge much money for being on the air, just so you know. Um, we're not we're not ruling the dough or anything. Okay, so now. I told you about the Live On Labs Lipospheric Vitamin C, and so that's something I, I tell you I would highly recommend getting, stocking up on, and, and we need to replace it. You know, we need to stock up on it again because we did run out, and we we love it, Frank and I do, and it has helped us greatly at times, and our animals as well, and we don't we don't usually take it every day, um, although if we could afford to, I'm sure we would. Um and it would probably be a good thing if we did. I'm sure it would be a great thing. Um, but Alan Smith, he, he received six grams or six packets a day of that particular type of vitamin C. I'm sorry, I have to cough every once in a while, so that's why you hear a few seconds maybe of me not talking. But anyway, um, yeah, so he... He took six of those a day his wife gave to them, and it saved it saved his life. And, and I told you he had three major things wrong with him, including leukemia and swine flu, H1N1, back in 2009. At least the doctor said he had that. 
Um, and that's when they were saying there was this huge pandemic and trying to get everybody to get the vaccinations and everything. And he also had pneumonia terribly. You know, his lungs were just full of fluid, like I told you. You couldn't even see his lungs on the x-ray. Well, vitamin C heals pneumonia. Vitamin C healed his swine flu, his H1N1, if he really indeed had it, which you may have. Um, and who knows? Maybe he got a vaccination for that. I really don't know. He may have. He may not have. But if he did, then probably the live virus was in there, and it could have turned into that now swine flu. Uh, H1N1, and I'm just guessing. I really don't know how he got it or if he had it, indeed, but the doctor said he had it, and then he had pneumonia, and that, you know, I don't know how he got exposed to that or he, he, he ended up with pneumonia, but that is something that I definitely know vitamin C will heal, and I, I believe it will probably heal anything and everything from everything I've read, you know. It's, it's a fantastic antibiotic. I believe it's the best antibiotic and I've read numerous, you know, information about that, a lot of information about it being a fantastic antibiotic, which means it it gets rid of, it heals bacterial infections. But the thing about it also is it heals viruses, which are colds and flus. Although when one has a cold or a flu, which is a virus, one can also come down with a bacterial infection as well, you know. So you got to keep that in mind. And vitamin C is great for both of those, plus any known toxin, as Dr. Thomas Levy says when he talks to medical professionals. Vitamin C works on any known toxin. So, you know, snake bites, spider bites, uh, allergies, it's another thing it's fantastic for. And, you know, from what I've read, and this is something, like I tell you always, I don't know your particular medical history, and I'm not a doctor, and I cannot give out medical advice. So if you have some kind of problem, if you ask me, you know, and I say, well, here's what I would do if I had such and such, okay, and I'm just asked point blank that one certain question, like, okay, well, what would you do if you had heart problems and this heart problem and that heart problem? And so I tell you, this is what I would do if it were me and I had these heart problems. Don't get offended if you have some other kind of problems, you know, in your medical history and, you know, you ask me about one particular thing and then you come back to me and say, but I have such and such and I'm not allowed to take that and it could kill me or something. You know, I can't help that. I mean, I'm not a doctor. Like I say, you need to check with your doctor about everything you know, if you hear something or you read something and you want to know can you take it or is it okay for you in your particular case, you have to talk to your doctor. You have to know your medical history. I don't know your medical history, and I can't tell you for you what to do. That's illegal. I mean, I'm not allowed to. I can only say this is what I would do. Um, and so if if one asks me about something and they have something on the side that's wrong with them and maybe... I told you about the thing you asked me about, and then you're going to come back to me later, which has happened, and say, but I can't take that, and and that's terribly dangerous for me. Well, like I say, always research your, you know, depending on your particular medical history, and talk to your doctors about it. I'm not telling you everybody out there has to do exactly what I tell you, you know, so I'm just letting you know. 
so. Um, you know, because I don't know every single thing that's ever happened to you in your entire life. I don't know what prescriptions you take, and I'm not allowed to tell you what to take. So, you know, the things that I tell you are just things that I've learned and that I've researched, and it's not going to be the same for everybody out there. It's not going to work for everybody out there. Everybody is an individual. Everybody has different medical problems and things wrong with them and, and health problems and they may have serious health problems that they're not able to take certain things I talk about, you know, or you read about or you hear other people saying is the best thing there is. So that's why, you you know, you can't just hear somebody say something and go do it. You really need to look into it further. You know, it's just like a starting off point, And I try to tell you, here's things you can look up. You know, here's names to look up about vitamin C. If you really want to know the nth degree detailed information, I don't have it two hours and not even because there's music and breaks and all that and commercials. You know, once a week, I don't have the time to go into every single word that I've read about everything. So you have to do it yourself if you really care about your health or you really want to learn all there is to know. Like, I mean, I don't just get on the air and, you know... I actually research the things I talk about after I'm off the air, you know, in between shows and for years. And I have books and, you know, I research in the books and online and all kind of different things that I've, I hear things on AVR and I'm sitting there typing them in as I'm listening to shows, you know. So I'm sure you do the same and at least some of you do. Some of you probably don't do that. Some people are just lazy. Some people don't look up a thing. Some people just run to their doctor, their allopath, or go to the hospital for any little thing. <clears throat> and they may be on five or ten prescription medications. And some people ask my advice that are that way, that they have serious health problems, and they may be on lots of different medications, and they may run and get surgeries, and, you know, they they don't really take my advice. I don't even know why they, they ask me what I would do because... They're the ones running to the doctors for every single thing and on prescriptions and, you know, and, and serious, having serious health problems. And then I, I just don't even understand. Uh, but I guess people just, some people just aren't ready for the truth. Some people just aren't ready to change their lifestyle or to do the natural remedies or to do things like vitamins that can save their life. They they just want to use the crutch and and do what they've been brainwashed into doing since birth, and that's to run to the doctor. And, you know, I mean, there was a day that I used to go to the doctor, although I was never one to, you know, believe in a lot of the pharmaceutical stuff. But, I mean, yeah, if I got sick, there was a day way back when, years ago, and my whole life, you know, since I grew up as a kid, my family was that way, we, we would all go to the doctor when we were sick. That's just the way most people were brought up, you know. I mean, I'm sure before that, depending on your age, you know, maybe our grandparents didn't do that or our great-grandparents didn't do that. Or they may have, but the doctors back then used a lot of herbs and all-natural stuff, although they probably used, you know, stuff like cocaine and who knows what back then. Like, they were they were putting in all kind of stuff, uh, even Coca-Cola. But anyway... So that's what we were trained and brainwashed to do, is to run to the doctor. But times have changed, and, and a lot of people have woken up, you know, because there's a lot of patriots out there that have woken up. They know the truth about the government and the evils that they're, you know, 
committing. Um, some more than others know these things. Uh, but they, they know that the Bible's been taken out of the schools and the Ten Commandments, you know, they're taking those down and they're not following the Constitution and they're going against God every step of the way and they're taking Christ and God out of everything and, you know, putting Satan in, in the place of of you know our heavenly father and jesus and all that and but yet there's some of them that still have not awakened in the health in the matters of health and and they're still running to the doctor and who are the doctors working for the doctors the allopaths i believe are working for the beast system they're working for the new world order you know they're working for the antichrist that's going to come into power they're working for satan they're working for satan all the way they may not realize it some of them and others may realize it you know and what they're doing is is killing people left and right murdering people uh or maybe they're not on purpose doing it maybe they're just totally brainwashed themselves whatever some of them you know i think they're all brainwashed to a point but some of them may realize what they're doing more so than others and others may just be apathetic you know like a lot of the mindless masses and just you know, do as they're told because they're getting a paycheck. They're getting that money. So what's important to them is the love of money, and you can make a lot of money being a doctor and, and prescribing the latest prescription or 25 different prescriptions for the same person or things that they, they should never be put on. And I think they should never be put on any of that garbage myself, you know, no matter what it is. Even antibiotics are bad when they're prescription because they cause cancer. They get your yeast out of balance, your bacteria out of balance, you know, they, they kill the good bacteria in your body and they cause all kinds of problems and, and if, you know, one takes enough of them often enough, that can highly contribute to them getting cancer, so um, and there's just all kinds of terrible things in all the drugs and they can all kill us um, and that goes for antibiotics, that goes for over-the-counter drugs, that goes for pharmaceutical drugs, which I believe are sorcery and pharmacia so that's why i try to tell you alternative things you can do so it's up to you if you want to listen or not listen or if you want to keep running to those doctors and you know endangering yourself and your loved ones and all that Uh, all i can do is tell you you know what what i believe and what i've learned and researched and then you have to go and do your further research you know and make up your own mind keep visiting the doctors and staying sick and taking all those drugs, what are you going to do when everything hits the fan you can't get those drugs anymore? What are you going to do then? So, you know, I think it would be a good thing to stock up now on the things you can still get a hold of because soon I don't think you're going to be able to get a hold of them. And if you do, it's going to cost you a lot of either gold or silver or whatever else you have to barter with. and you don't want to be in that situation, so stock up while you can. We'll be right back with a lot more on the other side. Don't go anywhere.
Mr. Banker Mr. Please How much does money mean Won't you
Food prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, and Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Closed, unemployment insurance running out, jobs leaving the country. Many people cannot afford to eat or keep a roof over their head. Too many can do neither. Messiah's Branch has a mission church in Wichita, Kansas that helps the victims of this banker's economy, the American people, your neighbors. The mission is the last hope for so many Americans. We need your help to lift up the poorest of the poor. These are men, women, and children who once had homes now in the street. They all need what you need. First aid, beds, food, clothing, and so on. You can send a monetary gift or a box of necessities to 230 West 4th Street, Florence, Kansas, 66851. Or donate online by going to wichitahomeless.com or simply call 316 316- 619-4886 Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulphur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific.
All right, welcome back to New World Order Info. I'm Melissa Roxanne, and it's my live show tonight, the second hour of it. And it is Monday, August 3rd, 2015, and you're still listening to me on TheAmericanVoice.com. You can also go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com. And uh, I would appreciate it if, you know, for those of you that are Christian that want to pray for us and pray for the people that uh, are going through all these wildfires or whatever that you want to call them, uh, that's what they're referring to the mouths. I don't know how they started. A lot of them could have gotten started by lightning. Some could have been started by humans. I don't know how it happened, but I know I haven't even looked lately. The last time I did look, there was one about at least uh, 8,600 or so acres on fire. Um, and, you know, I don't really know how close it is to us. I've only just looked on a map, and I'm not familiar with the place where this particular fire is. There's another one a little further away, um, and there's a whole lot of them. I know in Northern California, and there may be some in Washington, et cetera. So, anyway, there's a lot of acres burning and we we definitely have a lot of smoke here where we are in Eagle Point and in in surrounding towns uh Shady Cove somebody told us that the grocery store last night is supposed to have more smoke even than we do when they live out there and then Medford uh the city of Medford as well when we went to town you know there's smoke all around so um, you know, when it's happened before, since I've lived here now for like eight and a half years, it's happened in the past. You know, it's, that's what happens sometimes during the summer. And they they say it's for the, from the high temperatures and from the lack of the snowpack on the mountains and stuff like that. And from, you know, I guess we've gotten rain, they say, you know, um, but they blame it on these other things. But um, we don't, we haven't gotten rain lately. That's just typical since I've lived here anyway. Um, in the summertime, uh, you know, it's, it's very much a drought con- drought conditions, and we don't hardly get rain. And um, so we got a little rain yesterday, and, you know, I don't know how much. I don't think it was a lot, but, you know, I think rain is good as long as we don't have more fires started from the lightning. So if you want to pray for us and for the people going through the fires and the animals and the nature and all that, everybody suffering from the fires, and I'm sure there's a lot more, you know, closer to the fires that are suffering greatly, and some of them have had to evacuate, uh, and others are may have to evacuate. So, you know, pray for those people especially and the animals there and nature and all that. Um, I feel very sorry for them. So keep them in your prayers, if you will, and pray for rain and and no lightning starting any more fires. So, you know, we just need rain, 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 and pray for the people that are supposed to be putting out the fires, you know, that they'll be able to do so with our Heavenly Father's help. And, And so, anyway, I know you can go and read about it just by typing in Wildfires Southern Oregon 2015 and then looking at the different things that come up there. So so we'd appreciate it if, if you'd like to do that. And thank you for those of you that are praying for us. We really appreciate that. And for those other people, you know, closer to the fires. And it got really so bad here one year. I know Frank was using a respirator, I think, to sleep. So... We we do have some respirators, um, a couple 
at least. So, uh, you know, it hasn't gotten that bad yet, but I mean, I'm inside with the AC off. Uh, we don't even, we don't have AC, uh, you know, we don't use it where we live or anything. Um, we actually have an air conditioner, but it stopped working. The compressor stopped working. And it's a really nice air conditioner. It's a 25,000 BTU, you know, cost a bit of money. Um, and we went for years without any air conditioning, and Frank never had any air conditioning. And finally, we ended up uh, getting one. And then it worked, you know, great. Um, and that we had it in the house, so we still do. But then the compressor quit coming on, and so we have not fixed it since then. And we've gone, I don't know, two or three summers now without any air conditioning. And then Frank has it in the studio, but he has so many computers, you know, towers and all kinds of electronic equipment and stuff like that, that it heat and monitors, and it... And it, you know, makes it be like 98 degrees in there, even with the air conditioner kicking. Uh, it's just not powerful enough to cool it down in there. Um, but anyway, so I have the AC off in here during my show. Um, and, and then that's really the only AC there is other than in his studio. And he has one in his old studio. But he doesn't even turn that one on. Uh, other than that, we just use fans uh, where we live. And that's all we have. So... And when it's 111 or more degrees, which it has been here lately in the last few days and, you know, for a month or more, a lot of the time, it's been over 100 every day. Um, it is, And then you compound that with the smoke it's, and then you're sick on top of that. It's not very ha happy campers, you know, going on. So anyway, we're glad to be getting over all this mess um, and we'll be very happy when the smoke dissipates. So. Um, anyway, so that's another thing, you know, to, to take that organic sulfur and the vitamin C and everything, you know, uh, activated charcoal, I'm sure all these things would help with the smoke we're inhaling and the animals are suffering too. I feel sorry for them, you know, the animals that are outside here and are in an area and the people and the animals suffering that are close to those fires, you know, they're really suffering and the firefighters, you know, they, they have you know, respirators and stuff like that. But anyway, I'm sure it's not fun to go through all that. It's terrible. And and hopefully people won't lose their homes and everything and, you know, they that they own and nobody will die, I hope, or get burned or get really sick from smoke inhalation, which can kill anyone. Uh, and I do feel very sorry for the poor animals because probably a lot of them will die and have died already. Okay, so I'm going to um, give you some information about vitamin C, and this is coming from somebody well-known in regards to vitamin C, Dr. Erwin Stone. And so this is just, you know, he's written a whole bunch of stuff here, and I'm not going to go through every bit of it um, because it's a lot of information. But um, I'm just going to kind of start out reading some of it. And so this one is titled, Some Effects of Ascorbic Acid. And he says, at this point, and that's vitamin C we're talking about, ascorbic acid. At this point, it is best to discuss briefly some of the effects of ascorbic acid on various important bodily functions. This will give the reader a better insight and background 
for the later chapters. Ascorbic acid is involved in so many vital biochemical processes and is so important in daily living that after 40 years of research, we still have no clear idea of all the ways in which it works. And this was written some time back, you know, some time ago. So he says, throughout the evolution of the vertebrates, including the mammals, which I don't believe in evolution, but most scientists and, you know, doctor types do, nature has used ascorbic acid to maintain physiological homeostasis. Well, I think our Heavenly Father uses it, and, you know, that's why the animals are able to produce it. Most of them, not all of them, uh, there's a few that don't, like guinea pigs. And, and some bats and some other uh, animals, et cetera. But, um, and, and we don't produce it. So man is not able to produce ascorbic acid or vitamin C in their own bodies. So that's why we need to supplement with it if we can take it. You know, we have to research it all and make sure that we can take it safely and we don't have any kind of medical condition that would stop us from doing so and we're not on some kind of big pharma prescription drug like a blood thinner that, you know, is a pharmaceutical product that would keep us from being able to take it, etc., or some other type of medical condition. So always ask and check with whoever is your licensed medical practitioner, although I don't believe in them and I don't go to them and Frank doesn't go to them, you know, and if we had some kind of dire emergency like uh, you know, maybe a broken leg or something. We might end up going for that. But other than that, you know, I'm not going to say never, but we have, I mean, I don't have a doctor, and I haven't been to the doctor in years, and neither has Frank. So, you know, we don't we don't go. And then there's been times that maybe I, sh- you know, a lot of people would have gone and gotten blood transfusion at times for certain things, and I haven't gone for that either, so. But, like I say, always check with your doctor or doctors. Okay, so he goes on to say, you know, uh, throughout the evolution of the vertebrates, including the animals, nature has used ascorbic acid, meaning vitamin C, to maintain physiological homeostasis. In simple, non-technical terms, this means that when stressful situations arose, which disturbed the biochemical equilibrium of the animal, Ascorbic acid was produced in increased quantities to get things running normal again. So when they're under stress, they produce more vitamin C. That's basically what he's saying. The amount of ascorbic acid produced is, rel- is related to the severity of the stresses, and if enough was produced soon enough, then the animal was able to survive the bad biochemical effects of the stresses. If, however, the enzyme system for producing ascorbic acid was overwhelmed or poisoned by the stresses and too little ascorbic acid was produced, then the animal succumbed. Meaning, you know, I guess they died because they they did not produce enough ascorbic acid and whatever happened to them was too great for the amount of ascorbic acid their body did produce or they got very sick, or whatever the case may be. Uh, So then it says, Man, unable to produce his own ascorbic acid, could not take advantage of this natural protective process. Instead, stresses only further depleted his low stores 
of this vital metabolite, meaning, yes, we have some ascorbic acid or, or vitamin C in our body, but it's a very small amount depending on how much we take in, meaning in the foods and beverages we eat and drink and or supplements we take, etc. And a lot of people do not take supplements of vitamin C. So, you know, that's why I believe we have so many heart attacks, so many, you know, heart problems and strokes and transient ischemic attacks, which are many strokes, which, you know, people a lot of times will suffer a mini stroke before they end up having a, a major stroke and also aneurysms and blood clots. Um, and, and there's so many other things that, you know, vitamin C will heal and I believe would prevent like arthritis. I believe that has to do with not enough vitamin C, um, from what I've read. The same thing goes with, you know, countless things. Pneumonia, you know, colds and flu. Just just pretty much almost anything you can think of is related to not having enough vitamin C in one's body. And that's what Alan Smith said, the man that almost died in New Zealand when they wanted to take him off life support. He said, you know, his real problem was he didn't have enough vitamin C in his body. So when he was able to get enough vitamin C in his body, when his wife gave it to him, just by putting it in his mouth, and and it only cost a dollar a gram or so. I don't know what it costs in New Zealand, but here in America, in the United States right now, you can get it for a dollar a gram. Free shipping and everything, the kind that he took, and that's the the Live On Labs Lipospheric Vitamin C that's so highly available to one's body and it goes right into the cells and donates electrons to the cells and, and you know, heals whatever's wrong. So, and it did that for him. Six dollars a day or thereabouts saved that man's life. So that's all he took was six grams of vitamin C, the Live On Labs Lipospheric Vitamin C per day. There's 30 of those in a box, and he took six of them a day. So one box would have lasted him five days, and he had serious things wrong with him that would have killed him had they taken him off life support, you know. Um, he had a machine breathing for him. He had pneumonia in his lungs terribly, lots of fluid in his lungs. He was a very sick man. Then he also was later diagnosed with cancer, hairy cell leukemia. And he also, they said, had swine flu or H1N1 is another name for that. So he had all these things wrong with him. And I believe he had scurvy because he was having, he was bleeding from different parts of his body. Before he ended up going to the hospital, he was bleeding. I believe out of his, maybe his mouth, nose or ears or something. Uh, or, you know, a couple of these different areas. So, um, and another thing, like I've told you, Another sign that one may have scurvy or a, a lack of vitamin C could be, um, and I'm not going to say it always is, but from what I've read, it's a, you know, it could be a great sign that one has a vitamin C deficiency and or scurvy, um, and that's bleeding gums. And vitamin C helps to make collagen, and so when one's gums bleed, around their teeth and all that, or maybe when you brush your teeth, that could be a sign that you're deficient in vitamin C and you may have scurvy. 
And it can cause a heart attack or an aneurysm or more than one of these things or pneumonia, you know, or arthritis or lots of different things, colds and flu, um, you know, uh, blood clots, um, you know, major heart attacks and strokes and many strokes and so many different things could be, you know, caused from a lack of vitamin C. And so it's not good enough to just take it once a day, you know, and that's what I, I'm talking about for myself, you know, because I can't really tell anybody else to do it. But vitamin C is not going to work that well unless it's kept in one's body and system and, and to keep their immune system functioning like it needs to be. Um, and animals produce their own vitamin C, most of them do. And so when they get stressed out or injured or sick, their body produces more of it because their body knows they need more of it. And vitamin C helps our white blood cells to function. And and if we don't have enough vitamin C to give them, it's like having a gun and no bullets. It's like an army full of soldiers with all the guns in the world but no bullets to, to make the guns work. That's what it's like when we don't have enough vitamin C in our bodies. So... That's why it's good to learn how much to take and how often to take it and how to do so and then to stock up on it. And to, to There's lots of different kinds of vitamin C that we could have on hand. And Dr. Thomas Levy, he recommends taking more than one at a time. You know, he talks about taking the Live On Labs kind and at the same time taking the regular crystalline type of ascorbic acid that one mixes with water and a lot of times people also put baking soda in there, and that turns it into sodium ascorbate. And that is what is given through IV. It's called sodium ascorbate, and they have their own formulas and all that that, you know, is re- pretty much usually ready for them to use and all that when they use a, a, either vets or doctors and all that. But, but anyway, that's a way to make it at home and to take the sodium ascorbate at home. It's mixed with baking soda and water, and the ascorbic acid turns into sodium ascorbate. And from everything I've read, you know, if one is taking a lot of vitamin C, like maybe 15, 20 grams a day or more, it would probably be a good idea to take it in the form of sodium ascorbate. And there's no need to purchase sodium ascorbate already like that when one can just easily make it themselves at home by mixing the crystalline ascorbic acid pharmaceutical grade no GMOs, no corn antigens and all that, and, you know, getting a good type of vitamin C and and then a good, you know, type of baking soda and then mixing that into distilled water or reverse osmosis water, free of fluoride and chlorine and stuff like that. And then that's as easy as it is. And I just, whatever amount I'm taking of vitamin C, I use half as much for baking soda. So if I'm taking a teaspoon of vitamin C, I would take a half a teaspoon of baking soda, mix it into about eight ounces of distilled or reverse osmosis water, mix it up. It's going to foam up a little, you know, because the baking soda and the vitamin C kind of react together. And just stir it up and leave enough room in, in whatever I'm drinking it out of so that when it does foam up a little, it's not going to overflow, you know. So I just fill up like half the glass or whatever with water when I do it. And then I usually drink it through a straw because I think that that's better to do for one's teeth to keep the, the you know, 
the acidic uh, nature of it, although the baking soda makes it more alkaline, but still I like to drink it through a straw. And we'll be right back. Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. 
No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free to air satellite system from ABR. The ABR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75 centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541 541- 225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Food prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family.
she walked that walk and talked that talk and whisper in my ear. Tell me she loved me. I love that talk, that baby talk. She knocked me dead right off my feet. How, 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 how? Yeah, yeah. Now, baby. Welcome back to New World Order Info, and it's the last part of my live show tonight on Monday, August 3rd, 2015. I'm Melissa Roxanne, and you're listening to me on TheAmericanVoice.com. You can also go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com. So I was reading some information from Dr. Erwin Stone, who is a well-known name and pioneer regarding Vitamin C, also known as ascorbic acid. So he's talking here uh, in this writing about ascorbic acid. And so I'm going to get back into that now. So he says here, um, the amount of ascorbic acid produced is related to the severity of the stresses. And he's talking about in animals that actually produce this ascorbic acid, because humans, you know, man, women, etc., we do not uh, produce it. So we have a defective gene that, you know, doesn't allow us to make our own vitamin C. Um, so we only get what we obtain through food, through beverages, through, you know, whatever we take in, including supplements. Um, so he's talking about animals here that do produce their own vitamin C, ascorbic acid. So he says, um, the amount of ascorbic acid produced is related to the severity of the stresses, and if enough was produced soon enough, then the animal is able to survive the bad biochemical effects of the stresses because um, when stressful situations arose, um, which disturbed the biochemical equilibrium of the animal, ascorbic acid was produced in increased quantities to get things running normal again. 
So when animals are under stress for any reason, whether it's sickness or injury or, you know, anything, they're going to produce more vitamin C in response to that situation. If they're fighting with another animal, stuff like that, you know, anything stressful or, you know, maybe their environment is causing them stress like the forest fires, etc. So they're going to produce more vitamin C. Um, so if they don't, you know, if if whatever is wrong with them, um, you know, it could be overwhelmed and they don't get enough vitamin C, they don't produce enough, then it could kill them, you know, um, or they could get very, very ill. Um, so it says here, you know, the amount of ascorbic acid produced is related to the severity of the stresses, and if enough was produced soon enough, then the animal was able to survive the bad biochemical effects of the stresses. If, however, the enzyme system for producing ascorbic acid was overwhelmed or poisoned by the stresses and too little ascorbic acid was produced, then the animal succumbed. Man, unable to reduce his own ascorbic acid, could not take advantage of this natural protective process. Instead, stresses only further depleted his low stores of this vital metabolite. Now he can easily duplicate this time-tested defense mechanism by reaching for the bottle of ascorbic acid and swallowing additional quantities whenever he is subjected to biochemical stresses, which is every moment and day of our lives we're subjected to stresses, okay, Uh, in our modern times. So in duplicating this normal process for combating stresses, Man has one great advantage over the other mammals. He can get an unlimited supply of ascorbic acid without being dependent upon an enzyme system, which may not produce enough, quickly enough. All man needs to know is how much to take. One of the outstanding attributes of ascorbic acid is its lack of toxicity, even when given in large doses over long periods of time. This has been recognized since the 1930s, and ascorbic acid can be rated as one of the least toxic substances known of comparable physiological activity. It can be administered in huge doses intravenously without registering any serious side effects. Because of human variability and because the human organism has been exposed to such low levels of this essential substance for so long, some usual transient side effects may occur in a small percentage of hypersensitive individuals. This may be evidenced as diarrhea or rashes which clear up on lowering the dosage. In many cases, it is possible to avoid these reactions by building up to the desired doses gradually, which permits the body to become accustomed to these essentially normal mammalian levels. Taking the ascorbic acid with food or before meals often helps, although the caveat to that that I will say is sugar is going to, you know, work in the opposite nature of vitamin C, it's not going to help vitamin C, and that goes for carbs that turn to sugar in the body, you know, or any sugary thing eaten or that one drinks. So keep that in mind. 
But it may help to avoid the diarrhea. But, you know, many people that take a lot of vitamin C, they don't see the diarrhea as a bad thing necessarily, or maybe some floating or gas could be something that people experience. Some people take a lot of vitamin C every day, and maybe they're taking more more often because they might get sick or they might be stressed out or they might be, you know, maybe they got injured or maybe they're going to have surgery or they're recovering from surgery or something. And so they're taking more vitamin C um, and they may want to take, you know, a, a bigger dosage to try to reach that point where they experience some diarrhea or they experience some gas. Some people just get the gas, and and they know, okay, I've reached my bowel tolerance. My bowels cannot tolerate any more vitamin C. You know, that's what that means. Or maybe they have a little diarrhea or something, and they say, okay, that, that's as much as my bowels can tolerate of vitamin C. So then they take a little bit less the next time they take it in order to not keep having diarrhea or gas and and that's when they're at their proper dose. And it changes depending on what's wrong with the person. So, you know, from one illness to the next, from whatever they're going through, stress-wise or alcohol depletes vitamin C. So if anybody out there drinks alcoholic beverages, you're depleting your vitamin C and and other vitamins as well. Um, And the same thing with if you use sugar Uh, Any kind of sugar, I'm sure even fruit juice or fruit would, you know, they're they're full of sugar, natural sugar, etc. And that could deplete vitamin C too. So it's not good to mix up some, I mean, Linus Pauling, he's a, you know, he was a chemist and all that. And he did it. I mean, I guess he did it, so I guess it's okay. But, you know, I choose to just take it with water Instead, but sometimes he mixed it into his juice, his orange juice. And I would say the freshly squeezed, you know, organic orange juice would be the best kind of juice at home yourself. I don't know if that's what he did. I hope that's what he did. But, you know, just know that uh, if you're drinking something that's going to have sugar in it or eating anything with sugar or carbs, you know, that are real sugary, like a baked potato or something like that or you know, mashed potatoes, that's very sugary. Those are carbs that are going to turn into sugar in your body. So that's going to lower the effect of vitamin C. And alcohol is going to deplete the immune system and and hurt the immune system. And when one drinks alcoholic beverages, you know, and the more one drinks at any one time, the worse it's going to hurt the immune system. So keep that in mind. And that could cause one to get sick. You know, and and it's very bad for the body. So you're depleting your vitamin C and other vitamins when you do that. The same thing happens when one takes pharmaceutical drugs or over-the-counter drugs. Uh, They deplete vitamin C and other vitamins. So, you know, that's making your immune system not functioning like it should be. And if you're not getting vitamins to begin with because you're eating just processed foods that have been pasteurized and highly processed and all that, maybe you're getting a lot of antibiotics because you're eating meat that the animals have been given antibiotics. They're even putting antibiotics in vegetables and fruit nowadays. They're splicing that in there. Um, They're genetically modifying them. 
So a lot of the things we eat, you know, contain antibiotics. You may not be aware of it, but they do. The cheeses and the dairy products as well. So all of these things add up, and it's like, you know, we're ODing on antibiotics because the animals or whatever they put in the food we're eating or, you know, whatever it is, they contain these antibiotics. So then you take antibiotics on top of those that your doctor prescribes you, you know, you're really loading up on the antibiotics. So that's not good for the immune system either. It's going to get rid of bad bacteria, you know. It's going to affect those, and it's going to cause yeast in the body. And, you know, the things they put in all this so-called medicine are really bad for us, I believe. So, And it's a form of sorcery and pharmacia, you know, which the Bible tells us not to partake of any of those things, and that's what we're doing. When we're taking these over-the-counter drugs, including antibiotics, that the doctors prescribe, um, or giving it to our animals, or any kind of big pharma drugs or birth control pills or whatever it is. Those are all really bad for us, and they can kill us. They can cause cancer, a lot of them, like the birth control pills and the hormone replacement drugs that they've given women for years, and, you know, young women, and they cause cancer, and... They can cause strokes and heart attacks and all kinds of problems. So, you know, there's dangers to all of these things, and any of these things can kill us. Even children's Motrin can kill a child, okay? Aspirin can kill us. Tylenol, all of these things that people commonly take and give their children can kill them. And they you may not believe it, but look online and type in Tylenol death. You know, things like this, uh, Motrin, death, blindness, um, you know, Stevens-Johnson syndrome, also known as SJS, or toxic epidermal necrolysis, also known as TEN, T-E-N, uh, and these are allergic reactions to these drugs, too, those two things I mentioned last are, and they have killed a lot of people just from taking Something as simple as children's Motrin, you know, has caught one girl got, she took it, her parents gave it to her, I believe, when she was young. She's now maybe 16 or 17 years old, and she's blind for life, and she almost died. And it caused a severe reaction, allergic reaction in her body. They claim is very rare, which I don't buy for a moment, because they're covering it up. How many people actually suffer from this? The doctors aren't reporting it. They're not reporting it. They don't want people to know that these drugs are causing people to die and causing people to have these terrible allergic reactions or being blind and being burned over, you know, it's like having a terrible, terrible burn. That's what it happens, you know, happens when you have Stevens-Johnson syndrome or toxic epidermal necrolysis. And it affects your mucous membranes, and it can blind you, and it can kill. And the doctors, a lot of them aren't even familiar with these things or how they're how they happen. So you may have this from a reaction to a simple thing like children's Motrin. Maybe your child took has it, or an aspirin, or whatever it is, you know, an antibiotic or whatever. Um, and so this may happen to you, and you may end up 
being extremely sick and dying or near death, and the doctor doesn't even know what's wrong with you. They're going to guess what's wrong, but if they're not familiar with Stevens-Johnson syndrome or toxic epidermal necrolysis and what they're caused by and the symptoms of it, then, you know, you're going to be in bad shape and you're probably going to die. So these are the risks you take when you take these things. So I'm just trying to let you know, and it's a good thing to research these and to know what the symptoms are um, so that if you or anybody else is exposed to these things, you know, or it happens to them or you, you'll know. And, you know, the, the only thing is you'll probably go to the doctor anyway, and most of the time it's, it's not going to be good results, and it may, you may, it may end up in you dying or your loved one dying. Um because it's a very, very serious thing. So take that into consideration. And uh, I'm I'm running out of time. I'm going to keep giving you some information about vitamin C and give you some more information from Erwin Stone on my next show, um, probably. But this is something I highly recommend, and I would stock up on the Live On Labs type of vitamin C, like I said. Also the ascorbic acid, um, and that's the crystalline type of vitamin C that can be mixed into water. That's the cheap kind to get just get to have on hand as well. So I would definitely stock up on both of those as well as baking soda and so many other things you hear me talk about. Um, the activated charcoal, the organic sulfur would be all great to have, you know, as much as one could have on hand. Um and so many other things, garlic, you know, grow the garlic yourself if you can. The organic garlic would be great, the best kind to have. And not the big elephant cloves, but just regular sized ones are going to be the most potent and good for us health-wise, medicinally. Uh, onions are really good too, raw onions to eat those. That's good for our health, but they're blood thinners as well as garlic, as well as vitamin C. The apple cider vinegar with the mother uh, the organic type that you hear me talk about, the Bragg or Solana Gold, for instance, but those brands are really good to have on hand. And distilled vinegar for disinfecting purposes, you know, to disinfect the environment. And when the plagues come and all that, uh, they can be used instead of bleach, and they're a lot, I think, you know, less lethal and all that. And bleach causes cancer, so I would much rather use distilled vinegar to disinfect surfaces than I would bleach and and then you know vinegar I think is a lot better for the environment so anyway thank you for all your prayers and it's about time to end my show tonight um so coming up next is going to be the owner of AVR he's back Jack with a brand new Cadillac as Doc Mike likes to say and he'll be on tonight for two hours live and he'll have Dean Lauren on for the second hour so be sure and stick around for that because he was able to do his show today, but he missed, you know, most of his shows last week. So I'm sure he's glad to be back on the air like he normally is. So thank you for all your prayers for us and our animals. And and thank you for praying for rain for us and to put out all the fires that are around here in Oregon and, you know, everywhere else. There's these terrible fires in California and elsewhere. Uh, maybe some in Washington, I think. So, you know, we appreciate the prayers for that and the prayers for the people you hear on AVR and all of the things you do for us all. 
And, you know, get your organic sulfur while you can. And if you order four pounds at a time, you're going to get that free LED light bulb. Um, and those can be quite expensive. So I know Frank has that special going on now. And, you know, a lot of people do order organic sulfur from us, and we appreciate that. So that's something great for the immune system as well and for the radiation as well as vitamin C is for the radiation, for Fukushima and electromagnetic radiation and all the stuff we're exposed to from all the gadgets and cell phones and Wi-Fi and stuff like that. And baking soda is great for all of that too. Okay, so Frank's coming up next. Have a wonderful night, everybody out there. Thank you for listening. How'd you catch that train, man? That train my baby's on. I've been out west. I'm headed east. I want my baby back home with me. Well, she done grabbed me. Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. 
countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541-225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. Food prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific.
All right, good evening all. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Steffen. You are listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It is the 3rd of August, 2015. It is Monday, and it's about nine minutes after 8 p.m. Pacific time, if that's when it is where you're at. We are, in fact, live. 
And that means you can participate in this show by calling 800-932-1980, 800-932-1980. That is toll-free. can also participate by going to the chat room. It's located at our website, theamericanvoice.com, or americanvoiceradio.com. You'll get to the same place. Go there, look for the chat link, click it, you're in there. You can uh, ask questions, make comments, I'll see them. You don't have to. You can just chat with the other folks in there. And you don't have to uh, talk about what I'm talking about. But, you know, uh, there are limits. When I say that, and I hate to have to do this because I always have to do this. Uh, Anytime I say anything, somebody takes something all the way to the limit to where it's like, yeah, okay. And you thought that'd be okay, right? No, I know better than that. And I I don't like it when people do that. I don't like being pushed. I don't like having my chain yanked, okay? And then people get all kinds of you know, uh, butthurt about, you know, when, oh, let's see. Yeah, you yanked on the snarling dog's chain. And he ripped your leg off. Oh, my. Well, gee, maybe you'll think better next time, huh? All figuratively speaking, of course. But the thing is, when I say you don't have to talk about what I'm talking about, you certainly don't have to. People can talk about whatever they want to talk about. But when you come into the chat room and you're listening to another network and you come in there and start chatting to yourself about whatever that host is talking about, yeah, well, you just went too far. Okay? And, and you know, I know some of you are out there going, what? Uh, you know, you don't need to tell me something like that. Yeah, well, I, I'm not making stuff up here. These things happen. Anyway, it is Monday, and that this marks uh, the one-week anniversary of uh, when I actually did my last show, other than this morning. I did, well, this afternoon, m- noon. I did my show, and... uh <laughs> Uh, the last one before that was Monday evening, and I was in pretty bad shape last Monday evening. Uh, I, I thought I, I, and I got through it, uh, I, but I honestly, if Dean wouldn't have been on for the second hour, I wouldn't have done it, but, and I probably shouldn't have done it anyway, but it was, uh, it got worse from there, and that's why there were no more shows last week day or evening. And yeah, I still have a cough. But, you know, that might not be from illness. I mean, it may be the residual effects of this flu that I had, or it could be the fact that Southern Oregon is in smoke. This is the smokehouse. That's right, and it is, uh, it's pretty thick right now. It comes and goes depending on which way the wind is blowing, but right now it's not blowing the right way as far as I'm concerned. But anyway, enough of a weather report. Let's get to some other stuff. Well, 
California, oh, by the way, California also has uh, a big, big fire. And I, I'm no fan of California, but, you know, I mean, I I don't even wish this kind of smoke on anybody, you know. I mean, a rumble, a slide into the ocean, and maybe, you know, that, but, you know, not not being choked to death. This is just, uh, I don't really wish that on anybody. I mean, uh, cooler temperatures and higher humidity are expected to help firefighters battling the 60,000 acre Hey, that's a lot of acres, man. 60,000 acre rocky fire uh, in Northern California. But, the, you know, and that, see, that leaves where I live in a really bad spot because we got another, like, 9,000 acre fire north of here and a 60,000 acre fire south of here. So it's kind of no matter which way the wind blows, we're getting, we're, we're getting this you know, from the one of these fires, uh, which is not a good thing, because uh, we're not getting much time off from the smoke at all. But anyway, um, the weather could shift and could bring thunderstorms. Yeah, and risk of new fires. So that's the bad thing. Uh, of course, the temperatures have dropped into the 60s and 70s. I don't know where that is. Not here. Uh, but winds have calmed, and humidity has increased through Northern California because of an approaching storm. Well, they better hurry up and put it out. You know, I, again, I'd like to see some explanation, really. I want to know why. I really want to know why the Forest Services... And, and you know what? It is the U.S. Forest Service, really. I'm not going to blame the even the state of California or the state of Oregon. I mean, they're they're complicit in this. But it's really the U.S. Forest Department. They think they own all these forests, okay? They say, oh, yeah, that's a U.S. land. Yeah, U.S. forest land. Okay, fine then. You know what? Your forests are negatively affecting my health. And I say you're negligent letting them go on fire the way you do. Letting them spread the way you do. I say you're negligent. Time to pay up. Start writing some checks. Because you know what? You say you own it, then you're responsible for it. You don't want to be responsible, then you don't get to own it anymore. The United States also owns all these fancy satellites. They could see a lightning strike. They can see a fire start right when it starts. Real time. Infrared. Heat sensors. Oh, look at there. There's a hot spot. There's a fire just started. Oh, hey, really? If that's not true, if they can't do that, then I guess they can't hunt you through the woods when you do a campfire. They couldn't find you, could they? Hell, I've been hearing since the 70s. Oh, yeah, they can read a quarter in your hand. Those satellites are so powerful. They can read the license plate off the back of your car. Yeah, they can do this and they can do that. Well, okay, fine. Let's start using some of this for something good for once. You see a fire start? Hey, scramble the airplanes. Hey, listen, fire season out here is kind of like a war other places. These guys are on call every minute. 
They're ready to go every second. They know a fire can break out fast. So why isn't that happening? Why isn't that happening? Why are these fires before anybody even gets there? Expanded from, uh, you know, a few hundred acres to 10,000 acres. Uh, how, uh, why is that? We got all this technology and all this uh, electronics and all, all surveillance and we got all... Why is that happening? I already told you the story. I'm not going to tell it again right now about how it, I, it happened to me personally. I saw a fire start. I called them and it took them two and a half hours when they could have had a helicopter there in 15 minutes and put it out, they didn't. They chose to do something different. Some decision maker, some planner somewhere, coming up with some smart ideas. Like the ones saying, oh no, we don't want to use the Russian tankers that smother fires in a, in a heartbeat. No, 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 because they're too dangerous. That's too much water all at once. It could hurt our crews on the ground. Get your damn crews off the ground. They're not doing anything anyway. Do you want the fire out, or do you want to dig around in the dirt and, oh, oh, wait a minute. Yes, you do want to dig around in the dirt and pay everybody. I had a real hard spot, I'm telling you, for the U.S. Forest Department, the U.S. Forest Service. They, at the best, okay, at the very best, they are incompetent. And that's the best. That's the best thing I can say about them. It goes downhill from incompetent. We end up at criminal negligence that costs people their lives, which means you're guilty of murderer. You're a murderer. Yeah, that's the worst. You're a bunch of criminal murderers. But we'll just stick with incompetent for now. So California is burning, but unless they get some more lightning strikes, well, they could be, uh, you know, they could be looking better here. Now, here's something. (laughs) I didn't read this story, so we'll read it together. I just read the headline, and I thought, you know, I don't have time to read this right now, but (laughs) just by the headline, let's see what's going on. Raleigh, North Carolina. Three three North Carolina men, fearing a government takeover and martial law, stockpiled weapons, ammunition, and tactical gear while attempting to rig homemade explosives, according to charges announced by Justice Department on Monday. The men from Gaston County near Charlotte, were arrested by federal authorities on Saturday after more than a month's investigation. Walter Eugene Literal, 50 years old, Christopher James Barker, 41, and Christopher Todd Campbell, 30, 
are accused of stockpiling guns and ammunition as well as attempting to manufacture pipe bombs and live grenades from military surplus dummy grenades, according to unsealed criminal complaints released Monday. See now, okay, everybody who's listening, you, you, you realize, right, making bombs, is not legal, all right? You re- you realize that, right? I mean, now, look, I understand you can make legal arguments. For one, well, let's see, in Raleigh, North Carolina, hmm, we're in Raleigh, North Carolina, we're in the state of North Carolina, uh, there's no saying that they were on federal land. Uh, what exactly is the federal nexus here? You know, what exactly, where, what exact? so what? Federal law was broken. So, how about French law? Was that broken too? Did the, did the French police come storming in and, uh, and say, hey, you know, you broke French law. You're not allowed to. No, they didn't. Why? Because North Carolina is not in France. And guess what? The state of North Carolina is not in the the United States territories. You know where U.S. law applies? State law applies in the state. Federal law applies in federal territories, federal control areas. The post office, which isn't really right because it's not really federal, okay? That's why they call it the U.S. Postal Service. And they say, when you ask them, Oh no, we're not fair. We're quasi-government. What? What is that? What, is that a relation to Quasimodo? Or what? what is that? What do you mean quasi-government? Wait a minute. Let me get out my constitution and see here. Is there anything about quasi, quasi, Q, Q, quasi? Nope. Nothing in there about quasi-government, you either are or you aren't. Okay, that's the way it is. And if you aren't, then you aren't. So all this federal law and federal this and federal property and federal, federal, federal may not actually apply to the United States Postal Service. It may, in fact, only apply to the U.S. Postal Department. Yeah, which is a whole nother story. But, so, you know, and I realize that. There's questions here that, you know, and, and, and maybe you could fight it and say, yeah, do it if I want. But you know what? It's probably against the law within the state where you live to make bombs also. So, you know, I'd hold off on making bombs if I was you. But, you see... The headline says, Feds charge three men accused of prepping for martial law. Well, that leads people to think, well, hmm, you mean like getting food and water and stuff? You know, and I'm not so sure stockpiling guns and ammo is a crime, even under federal law. 
I mean, who's to say I can't have a hundred guns? If I go and do the background check on every one of them and they're all legal and I've done everything I, they want me to do and I've got them all there, what is what? Is there a limit? Because if there was a limit, shouldn't it come up on my little background check and says, oh, I'm sorry, you hit your limit. You're cut off. You know, like a bartender. Sorry, no. And if not, hey, you know what? The thing is, what happens? Why do bartenders cut you off? You think they care if you go out and get in a wreck? Oh, I'm sure some of them do. And, you know, I mean, who wants to say? Nobody wants you to go out and get in a wreck, I don't think. But back in the day, man, if you could stand up, you could probably get another drink at most bars. Now, even if you can stand up, if they know you've had, well, you've had, you know, four or five drinks, you're cut off. Why? Because of liability, that's why. So, look, if a bartender knows, well, hey, I knew you had four drinks. So, I cut you off because uh, you had four drinks within an hour and... uh you know, I really can't kidnap you. So I got to just say you can't have any more because I'm not going to be liable if you get out the door and get in a wreck. So you're cut off. If that's the way it is for the bartender, how come that's not the way it is for the 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 background check people, whoever they are? You know, in this state, it's the state police. Because if there's some law that says, well, you're not allowed to, okay, you can only have 10 guns or 5 guns or 20 guns or whatever it is. Shouldn't that come up and say, well, you know, we see here you've already hit your limit of guns for this year, so you can't have any more. I don't think there is. I think the main thing is they were making guns, uh, they were making bombs, and, you know, they're just using everything else as, as a big deal to, oh, see what a bad, bunch of bad guys these were. 60 pages of information compiled by federal authorities since July, including allegations that literal plan to make explosives out of tennis balls covered in nails and coffee cans filled with ball bearings. Yeah, but did he? Are there any? Or are they arresting people for having ideas and telling people about them? According to documents, both Literal and uh, Campbell spoke openly about their opposition to Jade Helm 15, a series of ongoing special forces training missions in several southwestern states that has drawn suspicions from residents. In addition to ammunition for long-range 338 caliber rifle, the authorities said Literal purchased handheld radios, uh-oh, Kevlar helmets, body armor, and face masks in preparation for an armed resistance to the feared military occupation. And and they're being arrested for this. Literal was also planning to purchase, okay, an assault rifle, along with ammunition for Barker. Ah, whose past convictions for possession of stolen goods and cocaine barred him from possessing a gun. Now, and you've got to wonder here, possession of stolen goods and a cocaine possession, 
that bars you from owning a gun. See, I don't hear any violent crime involved. Now, listen, folks, I I don't really agree with taking away people's rights to own guns. That's right, even convicted felons. Do you know why? Because I am of the belief that, look, okay, you get caught. You go you, you get your punishment. Okay, whatever it is. A year in prison, 10 years in prison, whatever your punishment is. When your punishment's done, it should be done. To say that you broke the rule, you made uh you broke you made uh, you committed a crime, especially when there's no victim. When there's nobody harmed. Now, if you've got somebody stolen goods, maybe there is a victim. But if nobody's harmed, and even if there is, see, my whole thing is, whatever the crime is, if you hurt somebody, well, then I guess, why are we even worried about it? I mean, why are you, why are you even, why aren't you in prison? And if you did hurt somebody and we figured, well, you've been in prison long enough, well, then, uh, you know, then welcome back to society. Good luck. Don't do it again, because next time you'll never get out of prison. But that's not the way it is now. And, and nobody thinks to consider the fact that you broke a rule. You harmed no one. Maybe you stole their property. Okay. But, you know, supposedly we have restitution. Supposedly, you know, you're supposed to be rehabilitated in prison. Supposedly, you're being punished in prison. Supposedly, now you have paid your debt to society. All right. So now you paid your debt to society. Oh, but no. You get to keep paying. Forever. See, to me, when you say that to somebody, that, yeah, well, we're going to throw you in prison, we're going to make you pay back whatever damages you did, we're going to put you on probation, watch you for a while. Oh, but it doesn't stop then. Once you're done with all that and you get out, then for the rest of your life, we're taking away your right to vote. We're taking away your right to have guns. We're taking away your citizenship and anything that goes along with it. Wow. That's pretty cruel and unusual, don't you think? I mean, now, if you've really you know, injured somebody, well, that's something different. I don't know. Anyway, we're going to take a break. We'll be back. Play Stump the Room, and uh, we'll see you in a bit.
Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free-to-air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75-centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541 225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System. Food prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family.
Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Steffen. You're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It is the 3rd of August. It's Monday, 2015, about 846 out here on the Pacific Time Coast. And if all that's true, we're live. You can call in 800-932-1980, 932-1980. That's a toll-free number. You can also go to the chat room which is located at our website, theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com. So there you have it. There it is. And uh, nobody guessed on the song, so I'm not telling you. We'll save that for another time. Anyway, let's get to some things and stuff. Now, here is something that, you know, people in this country need to start considering. Report cites Latinization of U.S. warns of backlash against whites. Now, the thing about almost every race except whites, when they get in the majority, they take advantage of everybody else and hammer everybody else down. Whites seem to feel sorry for everybody else and try to give them a hand up. Now, that doesn't mean every white person's that way or every black person's the other way or every Latino's the other way. It just means as a group, as a whole, acting as a herd. That's the truth, and that is how it is. You can say it's racist, you can say whatever you like, but facts is facts, and it is the way it is, whether you like it or not. So, what's going on? Now listen, over time, perhaps, you know, the white race will diminish in population. 
and control because, you know, our birth rates are low because our food is poisoned and on and on it goes. Plus, quite frankly, the Europeans, the whites, are more civilized and have been for longer and realize that, hey, you know what? It's crazy to breed yourself into starvation. But you have other races that say, oh, no, we got to have ten kids. And that means the Latinos, the Muslims, and the blacks. We got to have lots and lots and lots of kids, even though we can't afford them. Okay? Hey, if you can afford lots and lots of kids, that's great. That's good for you. But you see, you know, I mean, hey, this goes for everybody, man. You know, and I'm all for it. Look, you might say, well, you're just being a racist. Well, no, not really, because, you know, there's Christian families. And, And most of you will think, you know, what are you talking about, Mormons? Well, I don't call Mormons Christians. Oh, and by the way, you you Mormons out there that are offended by that, well, you know what? Your religion didn't call yourself Christian either until just a few decades ago. Yeah. As a matter of fact, your religion used to rail against Christianity. So, you know, now all of a sudden, oh, now you're Christian. Huh. How'd that happen? Well, it didn't happen. You just say it. Now, I'm not saying any individual Mormon can't be saved by Christ and all that. That's not my business, and I don't know. So that, that's not my place. I'm saying your religion, not you. I don't know what you do. I don't know how you follow your, your religion. If you're like most people who follow religion, you don't follow it much. But even white Christians who say, you know... Bible says, you know, fruitful, multiply, have lots of kids. And, hey, man, you know, from from a perspective of being a Christian and being white, I think that's great. I, I, I like seeing that. I think it's great. But when then you say, well, uh-oh, my kid has a medical problem and I don't have the money. I'm taking him to the hospital and we're getting on welfare. I'm taking him down there and somebody else is going to pay for my kid to be taken care of. Somebody else is going to take care of my financial responsibility that I got in over my head and I can't afford. See, this is a problem. Uh, and, you know, I don't care if you're white. Even though I might like the idea that you got 25 kids or whatever, that's great, man. You know, pick up the slack for me. Because I didn't have any, so good. You know, that's great. If you can pay for it. But if you can't, then, uh, you know what? You're no better than the welfare mom in the projects raising her kids. Out selling crack and, you know, so they can buy bling. Bottom line. And as a society, 
of a majority white, our population, our birth rate has dropped, you know, because, hey, look at the economics. People realize, man, I got to, hey, I got to work. The wife's got to work. Now we both got to work two jobs. We're barely making enough to live. We ain't got enough money for any more kids. If we got one, that's enough. If we don't have any, maybe we won't have any. That's responsible. If you don't have the resources, you know, it's like people, the same people will tell you, well, you know, it's irresponsible to go and get credit cards and charge them up, you know, uh, because if you can't, you know, if you don't have the money to pay for it, then you shouldn't get into debt. Oh, is that right? Yeah, see, it all applies to only what we want it to apply to all the time with everything we we do and say about everything. But the Hispanics don't have this problem. They don't care. Look at the look at Mexico. Look at the country. Look at South America. You know, these countries have been around just as long as the United States has been around. They've managed to build big cities. They managed to have indoor plumbing. And, uh, you know, they have automobiles. And they have all... How come they haven't... Why are they in such a mess? Why have they been in such a mess? Well, we're finding out why. Because we've allowed it to come into this country. We've allowed it to come here. And now we, as a nation, are experiencing the same thing South America and Mexico have experienced for 150, 200, 300 years. Do you know there was a time when Mexico was every bit as advanced as the United States? What happened? Well, I'll tell you what happened. Now, we got a lot of names for it, but bottom line, what happened is corruption happened. Corruption happened. Do you know why? Because God went away. Yeah. South America? Hmm. What's their religion there? Oh, that's right. The Catholic Church. Now, the Catholics down in, you know, in the South are very ritualistic but that's about it that's not the same as a moral godly people and I'm not saying people that never sin never think bad things never do bad things or anything like that I'm just saying societal you know as a society that everybody has these moral principles Christian principles doesn't mean you're always going to you know abide by them but you're always going to know uh oh all right i'm going to do this but uh i i know at least i i know i'm doing wrong i shouldn't do this but i'm going to do this for whatever reason you know and i'm going to do this but and maybe you feel bad and you never do it again and you know whatever See, they don't have that. 
And if you don't have that, then it's whatever goes, man, whatever gets you by, whatever gets you ahead, that's corruption. And once you get that going on, man, your society is going nowhere but down. You know, and we've seen it, we're seeing that in America right now. We can say, well, it's the communists, it's the fascists, it's the Jews, it's the bankers, it's the pedophiles, it's the homos, it's the whoever it is, whatever it is. It's corruption. Now, you can, well, we can argue about, oh, well, at what level? On all levels. We've got monetary corruption. We have sexual corruption. We have moral corruption. We have spiritual corruption. We have, we have our food supply is corrupted. Our water supply is corrupted. Do I have to go on, man? You, you got the picture, right? Corruption on all levels. All levels, man. Name something in this country that isn't corrupted already or in the process of being corrupted. We've got corrupted Christianity. We've got corrupted politics. We've got a corrupted justice department. Look at what the Supreme Court just did. Are you kidding? Just a couple of years ago, the very same court meaning the same justices. It's not like, oh, they all died and we got new justices, so they changed their mind. No, this is the same bunch of justices who, when they ruled on the Protection of Marriage Act, said, well, we've got to find it unconstitutional because, see, it would be unconstitutional for the federal government to become involved in marriages, which has traditionally and lawfully and constitutionally always been the purview of the states of the Union. So therefore, it is unconstitutional. Two years later, when it comes around to being, oh, but homos want to have it constitutional to be married. Well, okay, yes, that's fine. Well, wait a minute. You just said two years ago that it would be unconstitutional for you to rule that way. Corrupted. They don't care. And that, that is the problem. Hey, we could all learn Spanish. You know, that's not the real big problem doesn't really matter what language we speak. I mean, I don't want to learn another language. Although I would have never I I don't wouldn't mind learning another language. I don't want to be forced to, but I mean I wouldn't mind learning another language. So it doesn't really matter what language we talk. Hey, they spoke Latin in Rome. Well, gee, that didn't work out so well. But anyway, thing is it's the corruption. Anyway, I got to go for this hour because uh got another hour to do. We got Dean coming on this uh, this Monday, like every Monday. And this Monday, I'm actually uh, not on my deathbed. So uh, stay tuned. 
We'll be back in a few. heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Food prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Countries have denied Internet access for their people during civil strife. The FCC seized in-use commercial shortwave frequencies right after the September 11th attacks. 
No one communication system can be depended on to be there when you need information. You need choices. You need a KU band free to air satellite system from AVR. The AVR system includes a receiver, an LNB, and a 75 centimeter dish. All you need to get on your own is the coaxial cable. The system is delivered to your door for $149.99. That's right, delivered for $149.99. That's the shipping and the system, $149.99. Call 541 541- 225-4659. That's 541-225-4659. Or visit AmericanVoiceRadio.com and click Satellite System.
All right, welcome back to those of you joining from the first hour, and welcome to those of you just joining in now. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Steph, and you're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It is August 3rd, 2015. It's Monday, and it's about, well, almost 10 minutes after 9 p.m. Pacific Time. If that's when it is where you're at, you may participate in this show by calling in 800 932-1980, 932-1980, that's toll free. You can also go to the chat room, which there's quite a few people in there, and actually Dean is in there, so those of you out there that listen that, you know, would like to ask Dean something, he's in the chat room, so that's where you can find him. Go to our website, theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com. And you can uh, ask Dean questions, you can ask me questions, you can just ignore us and, you know, chat with the other folks in there and, uh, you know, enjoy yourself. You can also contact me through Yahoo Instant Messenger. Okay. Screen name is A-B-R-N Talk, and you're there. All right, let's bring Dean on. Welcome, Dean. Well, uh, Frank, are we going to burn that Quonset hut barn down tonight? Well, I'm hoping is, you could... is there still anything left of it? I mean, a foundation. You found We're a new going for the foundation uh, tonight. I wish, see, that's something I wanted to ask you. Are are uh, are we burning down the same Quonset hut every week, or are we finding new Quonset huts every every week to burn down? same foundation we're just bringing in a new metal fabrication each week oh and by the way dean i know you're wondering okay so i'll let i'll just let james brown tell you (laughs) okay all right folks (laughs) so there you go i okay my Um, illness is over oh i'm glad to hear that because tonight we're going to be speaking about why I am sick to my stomach. Uh-oh. Now, folks, everybody realizes that I am a an, an executor in the Evelyn Goldberg estate, and she passed away in uh, November of 2008. See, Dean, wait a minute. I don't. I'm not so sure everybody does know that. Oh, well, okay. You know. I'm an executor of an estate of Evelyn Goldberg in uh, New York County, Manhattan. And Goldberg, G-O-L-D-B-E-R-G. And she was a victim of Madoff. And um, I have been having the hardest time getting $2 million out of John Fisher, who was with Wolf Popper at the time, when they ripped off her husband's estate with Madoff, Emily Madoff, uh, Judge Rene Roth in the surrogate court who was plundering all the estates. So I come to find last week an order that said John Fisher, as the attorney and David Mandelbaum as executor, had to put all the income, which were due, in a surrogate court account 30 days after the income was earned. So, folks, 
30 days after she died in 2008. Well, okay, every time that there was a penny earned in the estate of her husband, which she was due while she was alive, 30 days afterwards, they had to file it in a escrow account in the surrogate court. And a, uh, what we call a SCPA uh, uh, 2220 account. Uh, 2,220 account, section 2,220, okay? And so I go, and I see this order, and I'm like going, it's signed in 1995. So that means this man was supposed to, and by the way, Wolf Popper, which was a theater fund, was supposed to deposit these monies beginning in 1995, There's zero in these accounts. This goes to show you how corrupt the New York surrogate courts are, the probate courts. So I had to write a letter to surrogate Nora Anderson and surrogate Rita Maya and say, what gives? And and, and folks, because there's charities involved, the the New York State Attorney General asked to ride shotgun because money's going to charities. So Lisa Barbieri is representing the AG. At that time, the, the Attorney General was Robert Abrams, who was thrown out of the State Attorney General's office for corruption back in the 90s. They're copied on this. So... Everybody is giving me a hard time about this money, and I'm going to the surrogate. It's like, I don't got to get down on my knees and ask this man for the money. I said, that money is supposed to be in the surrogate court account. I am supposed to only walk over to surrogate court and ask for a check as an executor. Be careful now. You, You almost went to the dark side as the executor. I, you know what? <laughs> I am so close to the dark side. Yeah. Okay. Frank, $2 million I've been trying to get from this man. I Now I find all, and when I go back and look at this trustee, uh, this special referee hearing, she, Karen Barkhorn, B-A-R-K-H-O-R-N, is appointed trustee because Mr. Fisher needs wants a, a, a special referee to look at the issue of conspiracy that Evelyn has put forward because she's found the memorandum. She doesn't know about the phone records. Turns out Karen Barkhorn comes from comes from Boston University School of Law. <laughs> okay. Okay, now everybody you know, else. I, I, I might have got that right. I, I, I might have guessed uh, your, the law school you went to or a law school in Boston. Those would have been my two guesses. Yeah, yeah, and, and guess what? Emily's sister, Ray, A-R-Y, teaches law at Boston University School of Law. She teaches trust in a state. <laughs> okay. So this is what they're hiding. And so a friend of mine pointed out today that on NASDAQ, Judge Bernstein approved a settlement uh, for Picard, uh, 
between Irving Picard, who was the trustee for the bankruptcy for uh, uh, Madoff's companies, who, by the way, when I asked him if he knew who Emily Madoff was, all of a sudden I was being accused of stealing uh, $72,000 in a bank in Las Vegas under Bank of America, which suddenly disappeared when I asked Bank of America, where is the $72,000? It was actually a Merrill Lynch account that they were double counting when they had $0 and they were under investigation. And so they you've been it. sneaking off to Las Vegas robbing banks while, what, in between shows or what? Frank, I went to Senator Reed and Senator Heller of Nevada. And I said, I need your help. I went to, I went to Congress. I went to the Senate, their Senate office. I personally asked them, yes, I am burning that Quonset hut down tonight with thermite. <laughs> now, in this article or this recent news, they're talking about um, an investment that uh, placed customers' money at at least $58 million dollars. Okay, or actually it was $17 billion there's quoting with Madoff, right? Except for one thing, folks. Bernie ripped off $70 billion. So let's do the math, Frank. Okay. $70 billion minus 17 What do you think? What do you got, Frank? 20 minus 17, I come up with 3. No, 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 no. 70 billion, 70. Ah. Minus 17. Billion. Yes. What was the first one again? 70 minus 17. Yes. I don't know, 50 something billion. Yeah, 50 Folks, something billion. That's the cost of a presidential election today yeah well yeah that that yeah that's what they were what what do they say uh hillary was shooting for one trillion dollars and you know what folks we just found 50 billion dollars now all of a sudden 50 billion dollars disappears from madoff's ponzi scheme and appears in the clinton's foundation well, you know, she's just a lucky girl when it comes to money that way. You remember her $1,000 investment that turned into $100,000 in like 30 days? Is that with Whitewater? No, no, that was when she was at, in the White House and, uh, you know, uh, somehow they got in the news and everybody's like, wait a minute, that doesn't seem right. She's just like, well, you know, it's just a lucky, you know. She invested some thousand dollars in some stock, she said, and and then all of a sudden, thirty days later, it's worth a hundred thousand. One of those sweet insider deals where you know somebody wanted a favor and said, "Hey, here's some stock," and thirty days later, it goes up to a hundred thousand bucks, right? Oh, that's I'm what so... happened with her. Remember okay. that? I I remember that, and and, and that brings up tonight's song See, that she's we're going to dedicate. Lu- she's just lucky that way, Dean. She just. She's a, you know, she really, she really should give up this whole political thing and really get into the stock market. She's got a real knack for this. Yeah, her and Mary Jo White. <laughs> yeah, yeah. Uh, and Ruth Bader, ben, Ruth Bader Ginsburg with her, with her, with her husband Martin. Okay. Um, 
Boy, they're, they're all three crooks together. So, folks, tonight's song is about another lucky girl. Now, last week I dedicated a song to Michelle Dell, and I got read The Riot Act by Frank. What? Well, you know, you weren't too happy that I was dedicating this song to Michelle. Michelle who? Michelle Dell. Who is that uh, again? Hogs and Heifers band. No, no, I, I didn't have anything up. bad to say about that. Okay, I, I, I wouldn't know. I was too sick to riot, r- read you the riot act last week. Okay, good. Now it uh, might okay, have been the I, it might have been the Simone girl you were uh, talking about, thinking about when you played her. Oh, uh, okay. No, no, no. It was definitely Michelle. You went God. You know when I said I wanted to dedicate this song, you said, "Oh my God, it's another love song." Oh, okay. Well, so you know, folks. So well, this is kind of a love song, and so I'm dedicating this song tonight. Again. Another another love song. To Jennifer Garner. Because it now turns out that the schmuck who cannot be named, who she is divorcing, has been carrying on an affair with the nanny. (laughs) Uh, Don't they all, though? I mean, folks, you're living in Hollywood, or you're living out places. Yeah, you're living in California. And, you know, Charlie Sheen had it right. You know, That's disturbing. He, he purchased them. Yes, that's true. And he purchased their silence. You, you deal with a professional when you're in that kind of game. Well, and really, you know, being an actor and all, you should get some sort of professional discount being nothing but a prostitute yourself. Right. And so, you know, to, and of course this money doesn't show up in, in, in his bank record. So now we know that Jennifer Garner, I believe, owns Universal Pictures. <laughs> because they're the ones who are making Batman. Do you realize that Jennifer Garner, our little alias, holds the fate of the Batman latest franchise in the palm of her small, quivering hand. Well, I think she could have done better because, uh, you know, I think they pretty much are are, are kind of killing that, that franchise right there because, you know, they... they their reboot was pretty successful, pretty good, and now picking him as Batman was. Uh, they should have. Well, well, well let, 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 let's let it quiver in her little hand, Electra. Remember that's that was the a Daredevil. That was the movie that she met right. the schmuck. And so tonight I'm dedicating this song to Jennifer Gardner, who I believe should do the film version of Alias and the plot should be that she comes back Uh, it's the Daredevil version and in fact it turns out that the Electra who died the first time was her sister of course this is a soap opera well see I I never watched uh, I I never watched Alias and I, I never, uh, I, I didn't see Daredevil. Well, you know what? 
You see, at and first, I, when you first said that, Dean, I thought you were talking about because Netflix just uh, what a couple months ago released a whole season's worth of their own version of the superhero Daredevil. Ah, uh, and, and that, see, I watched I, that. I, I would, I would see. I would have to to have uh, uh, Downey play Daredevil. Yeah, he's the guy who plays pretty, Iron Man. He's pretty good at that. I gotta say, I, you know, I I like as an actor, I I think he is uh, he's he's pretty good. Yeah, Robert Downey Jr. would play perfect Daredevil. So with that, Jennifer Garner, and of course, I would like to have Madonna direct. And, <laughs> and with that, I would say, Jennifer, the song is for you. Hit it, Frank. Yo, concrete blood, folks. Joey, sorry.
studies have shown that the farm soil we get our vegetables from is dead, meaning it is depleted of minerals. Sulfur is a mineral. Sulfur has been depleted from the soil, which means most people have been depleted of sulfur. Sulfur has been found to transport oxygen throughout the body. You need oxygen. You need organic sulfur. American Voice Radio Network has organic sulfur. Go to AmericanVoiceRadio.com and then to the Superstore to order your organic sulfur. It's your choice. Do you want to feel better or not? Don't forget to tune in to the Sulfur Hour Plus One on AmericanVoiceRadio.com, Thursdays, 6 p.m. Pacific. Prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Closed, unemployment insurance running out, jobs leaving the country. Many people cannot afford to eat or keep a roof over their head. Too many can do neither. Messiah's Branch has a mission church in Wichita, Kansas that helps the victims of this banker's economy, the American people, your neighbors. The mission is the last hope for so many Americans. We need your help to lift up the poorest of the poor. These are men, women, and children who once had homes now in the street. They all need what you need. First aid, beds, food, clothing, and so on. You can send a monetary gift or a box of necessities to 230 West 4th Street, Florence, Kansas, 66851. Or donate online by going to wichitahomeless.com or simply call 316 316- 619-4886 Oh well a little red rooster told a little red hen I ain't been to see you and God knows when The little red hen told a little red rooster You don't come around daddy like you used to got to rock the life baby we got to rock the night, baby. We got to rock the night, baby, and we got to rock the night. Oh, well, the old black cat told a little gray mouse, I've got a mind to chase around this house. The little gray mouse told the old black cat, said, Look at your daddy, don't cheat like that. We got to rock the night, baby. We got to rock the night, baby. We got to rock the night. 
a big black snake and said, Come on, Daddy, let's swim in the lake. The big black snake told the little green frog, said, I'm gonna lay here all day long. I got to rob the night, baby. I got to rob the night, baby. This is the Frank Report. I'm your host, Francis Steph, and you're listening right here on American Voice Radio Network. It is still August 3rd, 2015. It's Monday. It's about 9.36 out here on the Pacific Coast, and that means it's Monday, second hour. We're live. If that all works out where you're at you can participate 800-932-1980 you can go to our website theamericanvoice.com or americanvoiceradio.com go to our uh, what do you call it chat room there you'll see the uh, chat link go in there you can participate from in there I'm in there Dean's even in there and uh, there's other folks in there chatting away, so you could be one of them. You could chat away with them. You can ask questions, make comments, whatever. Dean's posted some uh, links to some things that we're going to talk about when he comes back here. And in just a second after I tell you, Yahoo Instant Messenger, A-B-R-N Talk is the screen name. You can uh, contact me that way. All right, welcome back, Dean. Well, thank you, Frank. And... That was the live recording by the Concrete Blondes on the Dennis Miller Show singing their big 1991 hit, Joey. Wow, Concrete Blonde, huh? Oh, man, you know... You know they did a they did a song. The only song I know of theirs is called Everybody Knows, which is a Cohen song. Oh, they're, they're like... They are the one of my favorite bands, and that goes out to Jennifer Garner. Oh, they're a good. They're they're a good band. They are a good band. They just haven't had that many, you know, big. I thought they were one hit wonder, but apparently they have more than one hit. Oh, they got about thirty number one hits, and you know the fact is, when you come out of California and you have this um, sort of reputation that's associated with heroin. The, you know, openly, <laughs> well, you know, things tend to get a little bit on the dark side. So, which I, I, I can't in- understand why the the music industry didn't embrace them openly. So, um, yeah, folks, we considering what the sh- they do embrace. 
Yeah, exactly. Uh, anyway, um, the other the the song I played was like uh, by Lightning Slim called the Rooster Blues. Well, I like that Rooster Blues. I remember Rooster McRooster on your farm. Yeah, well, you know, during the noon, uh, you know, it's it's getting late now, so they're pretty much asleep. But uh, during the noon uh, hour show, sometimes if I have the door open, you can hear them. Mm. Well, we opened up the show tonight about the $53 billion that's missing in Madoff money. That is coming through the back door in Emily's list and, and various other uh, uh, investors into Hillary Clinton's account, who she was one of the uh, original founders of Emily's List, uh, which was a Emily Madoff's list. Now, you know, to me, wait a know. minute, when you say founder, do you mean founder or beneficiary? Founder. There were 23 women that showed up in the basement of the woman who ran, uh, owned, uh, who was the trust fund baby of IBM. Okay. Uh, uh, I, I got her name here. Let me see what her name is. And so it was her, uh, Barbara Boxer, oh. Donna Shalala, Hillary, and uh, the IBM lady was Ellen Malcolm. She opened Emily's list. And they used Bernie Madoff's money mingled in with all these lesbians. I, I, I don't mean, if you're a lesbian, I, I don't mean it that particular way. It was just that all these founding women were uh, lesbians. I do. I hate you, lesbians. So there oh. you go. Okay. Just so we, you know, we have that balance on the show, Dean. If you're going to be politically correct, then I have to be politically incorrect. So. All right. So, it's all for the sake of balance. All right. So we're going to talk about the, the purchasing of the election. And, we're going, and we, we had spoken about before how Teddy Roosevelt had been um, his uh, appointment as vice, uh, to the vice presidency nomination uh, with McKinley was all set up by William Randolph Hearst. Right. Hearst actually created and fabricated Roosevelt's entire persona yeah. with uh, the sinking of the Maine, the whole Philippines. What you it mean? You Hearst. mean? Wait a minute! You mean you you telling me Teddy Roosevelt didn't take over Cuba all by himself? He was gay on a horse, I, and he did it while he was gay too. Happy oh man! Gay. And uh, uh, the point being, folks, that when Teddy Roosevelt. Uh, and he was put in place by the senator of Ohio. Okay, Ohio, as in Standard Oil of Ohio. Oh, uh, yeah. And when he did uh, become vice president, he blew Hearst off. And, well, not, not yet, though. Uh, it, Hearst has the assassination of McKinley go down. He pays for it to put Roosevelt in the presidency, and then Roosevelt turns around and stays with standard oil money and now, railroads. didn't Ohio also have a, a, a lot of steel? Cincinnati. That's where the power was in Ohio, Cincinnati. Okay. And folks, yes, it was steel. And so we see again in 1876 the election of uh, Rutherford and Governor Tilden of New York. And it turns out that it's the same election process as Bush Gore in 2000. 
in which the Florida votes are in, um, they're fraudulent. And they have to have electoral commission come in and, and decide the votes and, and, all, and all this big hoo-ha. And Rutherford wins by one election vote, electoral yep, you, vote. Uh, you talked about that last week. Okay, that, and, and you know. the American public was never reminded that this had happened exactly the same way in 1876 as it had done in 2000. They didn't even, ar- you would have argued the same laws that went down in 1876. Well, in your briefs. You would have thought if there was one honest somebody somewhere in the whole thing, somebody would have at least brought it up, you know, and said, hey, wait a minute. You know, this seems deja vu all over again. Ah, so now we are going to talk about deja vu all over again. And this is why I like you, Frank, Ah. sometimes. It's because we are going to look at the election of 1860, in which Stephen Douglas is running against Abraham Lincoln. Lincoln is representing the Republicans, which we now know as Democrats. And Stephen Douglas is representing the Democrats, which we now know are the Republicans. You know, and that, that, that right there, C. Dean, is another thing. Now, I might just be suspicious, but that whole, well, you know, the Democrats used to be Republicans and the Republicans used to be the Democrats, and... uh why would they do something like that? I mean, other than to defraud the American people and conceal, you know, what's going on. Um, exactly. Now, okay. folks, you have to understand both Stephen Douglas and Abraham Lincoln are from Illinois. So now you have the candidates against each other are from the same state, Illinois. Lincoln is actually very wealthy. He's married uh, Mary Todd from Kentucky. He's living in a mansion, folks, and he's got mansions in several states. Todd, Mary Todd, is linked to the uh, big cotton spinning factories in the north. Stephen, so now let's talk about Stephen Douglas and Abraham Lincoln because it turns out that they're both connected to the Illinois Central Railroad. So in 1858, Stephen Douglas owns the land that is right next to the terminal, sort of like the Vatican has uh, all their churches right at every subway stop in Manhattan. And they have every uh, church property at every major entrance and exit of a, 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 a major tunnel in and out of New York City and bridge. It's called, what is it, uh, real estate, key real estate? Location, location, location. For transportation. So Stephen Douglas is actually hooked up with the Illinois... Central Railroad in the 1850s as a property investor. His 
properties all sit next to the terminal, so he's got the hotels, he's got everything that goes along with it. That's exactly how Grand Central was set, set up on Vanderbilt Avenue next door. That was where all the, uh, the gentlemen uh, hotels were, so that when you came in and out of the city, you stayed at one of these uh, pensions back in the, uh, the turn of the century, 1900. So now, folks. More commonly known as whorehouses? No, no, they were respectable. Oh. They would go down to, uh, they would go over to Broadway to the theater. Ah. And then they would be, go into a theater, see a show, and then go out a back entrance into a whorehouse. Oh, okay. So that's where you get the word hooker from. The the girls used to promenade in the in the um oh, I forgot the name of the hotel there, right along Fifth Avenue. And if a guy looked like a client, she would hook him with his arm and, and walk so they looked like they were together. I see. With their arms. Okay. So now Abraham Lincoln, do you know what he was with the Illinois Central Railroad, Frank? Their attorney? General counsel. Okay, well, that's general yeah. counsel, folks. I think that I have to get. Is, I, I I think I have to get credit for that one. Yes, you do. <laughs> but explain what a general counsel of a major corporation is. Well, that's the guy who basically any legal decision or legal uh, opinion that has anything to do with anybody, you know, because he's probably not the only attorney there. Has to no, go he's through the him. top attorney. Yeah, it has to go it's through a, him. Yes. So, folks, you see, we have two Illinois Central Railroad men competing for the presidency. And at this point, West Virginia hasn't seceded from Virginia. In fact, the only railroads we have are basically you have the Illinois Central in the north, and you have uh, some railroads over in Massachusetts on the East Coast, down to Baltimore. And then you have the new Mobile Railroad line in the South. Okay, folks? It's called the Mobile, uh, I think, Gulf Railroad line. And so it will hook up, uh, I believe, so let's go to the uh, 1850 map, or let's go to the 1860 map, because that's okay. a good one. Because that shows you right there, folks, that, uh, of course, the map doesn't come up when I do it, the southern little map there yeah, uh, that goes from Alabama, Georgia, North, South Carolina, in the Mississippi, Alabama, these little scarts. That is the train line that the, the South is starting to hook up in order to avoid the tariffs. You see, at this point, the banks in New England are charging any type of manufactured good coming into the United States with a tariff. Right. And they're passing that tariff on to the South. Well, and so, also they were also saying that, look... Uh if the South, I think, what was it, 20%, they were charging the South for exporting cotton to anybody right. except the North. Exactly. So 
So the North was getting a sweetheart deal. And by the way, there was no tariffs on coming a uh, cotton coming in. So the North had cheap cotton no matter what, and the South was having to pay for not only their washing machines extra, because they, they were imported. Right. That includes their slaves. As well as um, they had to pay extra to ship their cotton. So now, folks, you may not know, but Rhode Island had the biggest factories for cotton, spinning cotton into cloth. And all these tariffs that went down, Frank, do you know what the North did with all these tariffs? Built an army? They built railroads and canals. Okay. With the southern monies. And that's why when you go to 1870, you see this explosion because the first thing that will come out of the Civil War, Frank, after it ends, the Transatlantic uh, Railroad, Illinois Central Railroad will buy the Gulf Mobile as in Gulf the uh, Gulf, uh, the right. Gulf, uh, Bay, the Bay and, and Mobile Alabama, Mobile Alabama, will, the Gulf of Mexico. Right, they will buy through bankruptcy as a carpetbagger the entire Southern Railroad, and they will use that as um, for the debt obligation of this Confederacy. So, folks, that whole Civil War was nothing more, and if you, it was not about slavery, folks. And, oh, this was a complete railroad plant. Now, Frank always goes, well, how did you know that? Well, you know what, Dean? When you, when you skip ahead and you go to the last map, the 1880 map, which is, you know, like basically, what, uh, 15 years after the Civil Wars ended, you can see the expansion of the Northern Railroads. And, yeah, the Southern Railroads expanded a little bit, but not very much. They didn't expand very much from 1860 to 1880, but the Northern Railroads exploded. And what's more is you see the lines coming in from the Western Territory. Yeah, and they're all going north. They're all going north. And they're bringing in Texas. Uh, uh, ore, and they're bringing in Rocky Mountain ore. Okay, folks? And notice West Virginia has no railroad. But guess what, folks? That's where the coal is coming from. So there's a private railroad there in West Virginia owned by the Rockefellers. Right. And it's not on the map, folks. And that's why West Virginia split off from Virginia in 1861, seceded, because that was where the coal was coming from that would power all the northern Yankee trains. This is why they don't let let Yankees sing in Nashville at the Grand Ole Opry. Punto. And we know this, Frank, as a fact, because 
Britain will outlaw slavery in 1830. And guess what happens in Britain in 1830? Mm, I don't know. I have no idea. The Rothschilds bring in the railroads into England. What, they didn't have railroads before 1830? That's when they... you know, like you said, that there was an explosion in railroads in right. 1880. There's an explosion of railroads. Remember, this is now the uh, the 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 year of the steam engine. Sure. Well, this is the this is this this is the technology. Exactly, the Iron Age. So, folks, the whole Civil War, the election of Lincoln, the assassination of Lincoln. Okay, it was all about. Who is going to take over New York or, or the world, uh, America, by the railroad? You know, Dean, one thing that this does point out to me, the, the whole the railroad, the whole discussion about the Civil War and all this, it, you know, we're talking 1830 in England and, and the Iron Age and the steam engines and all this. And one thing it's pointing out to me, because it just crossed my mind that, gosh, it would have been cool to be to see that but then i thought you know this just goes to show things were maybe not as deeply in our society but certainly at the top of our society very corrupt already way back then you should hear about the meetings now this folks when when washington dc is surrounded In 1861, Maryland is going to secede. Abraham Lincoln uh, suspends habeas corpus and tells uh, General Ben to arrest any of the Maryland legislature if they even think about secession. And then what happens is the general has to go uh, uh, re-bring in all the railroad tracks and that's when all the New York, Massachusetts, and Rhode Island troops arrive in Annapolis, take back uh, the Annapolis Academy, and come into D.C. to safeguard the capital from Virginia. Massachusetts, New York, and Rhode Island. Massachusetts will guard the Treasury they will actually camp out. Their their little regiment will camp out in the Treasury. Guess who camps out in the White House, Frank? Kentucky. And you know why? No. I, that's because the Mary myth. Todd Lincoln is from Kentucky. The people that will guard the president are the president's family's regiment. Ah. Okay. Now, the Treasury... I was always the- shocked that Kentucky had not seceded with the other southern states, because I've always considered Kentucky a southern state. It was with Mary Todd Lincoln. And, folks, the War Department is being guarded by Pennsylvania. Why? Because Pennsylvania has the coal that is going to supplement the West Virginia coal. You can't run a war without the steel, the iron ore in, 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 in Pennsylvania to manufacture your guns and cannons. See, West Virginia had the coal, 
but it was Pittsburgh that had the steel for the cannons that were being manufactured in the North. So when you look at the different army regiments of the North and what they occupied in 1861, and by the way, the British will burn down the capital in 1812, and they never paid to rebuild it. These yeah. are our alleged allies. Yeah, right. Yeah, our okay. bugs. And by the way, the Illinois Central Railroad will eventually be bought up and be merged into a Canadian corporation. You know, it's too darn bad that uh, the South didn't, you know, they were... In well, you know, it's, it's like it's like they say all the time, you know, armies always fight the last war. And, and that's certainly true at the beginning of any war. And it's a shame with the South because, you know, if they'd have gotten a little... And I hate to use this word, but progressive in their thinking about how to fight a war. No, if they had been savvy and seen how they were being stabbed in the back. Well, they saw they were being stabbed in the back, but if they just saw, you know what? If we forget all this nonsense about army against army, let's get some guerrilla troops to go blow up these coal mines. Let's blow up these steel mills. Let's blow up these, you know what? You can, they, like you said, you can't fight a war if you don't have guns. You can't fight a war unless you got coal for your, you know, transportation. You can't fight a war unless you got those things. And okay. it would have put the South and the North on an even footing. And guess what, folks? The Bush-Clinton matchup is the same as the Douglas-Lincoln matchup. Yep. It's, okay, it folks. That way. Let's get it. They're they're from the same corporation. They're representing the same corporation, Standard Oil of Ohio. In hey, fact, Al D'Amato just did a major fan fundraiser for Boner in Long Island for his birthday. You know, it, it goes along with that Who song. The new boss is the same as the old boss. Well, maybe you'll play that next week, and we'll try to guess who's the new boss. <laughs> All right, Dean. Well, we're out of time. I'll play the song, and we'll go, and we'll see you next week. Thanks for being on. And, folks, as always, thanks for listening. Lights out, make your way to the floor. Just dance, got me begging for more. Get down in the county of kings. Hear that music makes you want to sing, want to sing. Let the rhythm take you there. You can find me on the dance floor. the boogie. I'll be digging at the record store. the boogie. It's the sound that I've been waiting for. the boogie. Track once more Book and boogie 
second voice radio network is heard on Galaxy 19 at 97 degrees west, transponder 23, frequency 12115, audio PID 2595. AVR is heard on the left side audio channel, and AVR2 is heard on the right side audio channel. Remember, both AVR and AVR2 are on Galaxy 19. Same network, double the choices. Food prices have increased over 40%. Energy prices have increased over 20%. Wheat and gas prices have increased over 70%. What's going to be next? Do you see these trends reversing or even stabilizing? All fiat currencies have always failed and collapsed their economies on their way down. The Roman Empire, China, France, Argentina, Finland, Mexico, Russia, Zimbabwe all tried fiat currency and all collapsed into chaos. Meanwhile, the dollar has lost over 97% of its gold value since 1971, when an ounce of gold was valued at $35. If your assets are in paper, you are in danger. Protect your assets with gold and silver. Visit Discount Gold and Silver Trading at DGSCoins.com. That's DGSCoins.com or call 1-800-375-4188. That's 800-375-4188. Protect yourself and your family. Galaxy 25, Transponder 5, Frequency 11836 Vertical. You can listen to the American Voice 24 hours a day, 7 days a week. If this were a dictatorship, it'd be a heck of a lot easier. <laughs> just so long as I'm the dictator. <laughs> Whether using your cell or cordless phone for business or... Time is money and knowledge is power. That's why you need the Basic Research Library CD from the American Voice Now. This CD contains the Federalist Papers, which are the definitive writings illustrating the intent of the Constitution, and the Anti-Federalist Papers, which read like a crystal ball to everything gone wrong concerning the present-day Constitution. This CD also contains Bouvier's Law Dictionary and the Uniform Commercial Code, plus the inaugural speeches of the U.S. Presidents, the UN Charter, NAFTA, Hitler's Mein Kampf, the full Communist Manifesto, the Patriot Act 1 and 2, the model anti-bioterrorism law, the Homeland Security Bill, the FBI's Project Medigo, and too much more to mention here. The CD contains over a thousand files. To order your CD, go to www.theamericanvoice.com or call us at 541-826-9050. That's 541-826-9050 for ordering information. The great 1974 film The Godfather 2. There's a scene about halfway through where Hyman Roth and Michael Corleone and all the American gangsters are gathered on a patio in Havana. 
and it's Hyman Roth's 67th birthday. And he's giving a slice of the cake each gangster. He's got Louis from Chicago, you run the Copacabana. Frankie, you get the prostitutes. He's dividing up the island among all the American gangsters. And the, the, appropriately enough, the birthday cake has the outline of Cuba on it. So he's giving him a slice of Cuba. And while Hyman Roth is doing this, he says, isn't it great to be in a country with a government that respects private enterprise? And that's how media policies have been done in the United States for the past 50 years. And it's increasingly in the last 20 years. Extraordinarily powerful lobbyists duke it out behind closed doors for the biggest slice of the cake. The public knows nothing about it. It doesn't participate. And that's the problem we face. Media is the nervous system of a democracy. If it's not functioning well, the democracy can't function. We're heading toward an election where most people are never going to be in a room with Kerry or Bush. What they learn about the candidates will be what the media shows them or tells them, decides not to show, not to tell. People are faced with critical choices about the future of the country when they go into the voting booth. And I go in, and I have been, through the course of a campaign cycle, subject to false, distorted caricaturing. And I may not even know where it's coming from, because often there's an echo effect off places like cable and like radio. And those uh, wrong pieces of information are repeated and repeated. By the time it reaches me, I don't even know what the source was. This is the environment we're living in, and it's, it's, it's really, it's, it's fundamentally undermining democracy, which is based on knowing some good and solid information so I can make an informed choice. When you see the properties Rupert Murdoch owns around the world, the strong conservative point of view that those properties often reflect, it's different than ABC or CBS or NBC. Sure, they reflect a point of view, but not nearly as strong and not nearly as consistently from one ideological perspective. Murdoch actually bought the station in 1985 and actually left us alone for at least the first three years of his ownership, partly because we were so successful and prosperous uh, that there was no reason to uh, monkey with us. At WTTG, our success insulated us to a certain degree. And it was kind of like being in an office and seeing people come down with the flu around you. We knew the flu eventually might reach us, uh, but we were hoping if we took enough vitamins that we'd never catch the flu. It was clear during those years that Murdoch, who had absolutely adored Ronald Reagan, adored him, um, really had a lot of and a lot of admiration for the group of Republicans that controlled Congress and, and in Washington, certainly on Capitol Hill. We received an order from one of Murdoch's uh, apparatchiks, if you will, that we should cut away from our newscast and start carrying a fawning tribute to Ronald Reagan that was airing at the Republican convention. Uh, we were stunned uh, because up until that point, we were allowed to do legitimate news. And suddenly we were ordered from the top to carry propaganda, carry Republican right-wing propaganda. There was a cultural uh, underpinning to what Murdoch wanted. Uh, race issues, AIDS, uh, I constantly remember complaints that there was too much being done on AIDS. He also couldn't stand the Kennedys.
Ted Kennedy, who was a longtime opponent of Rupert Murdoch. Uh, and, and one uh, a celebrated occasion, we were ordered to run a long, uncut piece from a current affair uh, that was uh, rehashing the whole matter of uh, Chappaquiddick. It had zero news value. We were told you had to run this thing uncut. You could not even edit it down and just run a snippet of it. Uh, I think they evolved uh, in later years, uh, especially after Roger Ailes took over and, and really got the uh, Fox News Channel up and running into a far more sophisticated kind of operation. What we saw in my era was, was really the, the birth of this sort of thing and the roots of what came later. Yeah, I've heard directly from folks uh, both as correspondents and as bookers who've expressed very great reservations, uh, almost uh, as if they're being monitored by a Stalinist system, uh, afraid to be seen talking to the wrong person or uh, having the wrong kind of email exchange. It's very much uh, an environment of fear. It was made very clear to us that our activities were being monitored, and if someone wasn't watching it live, they were at least recording it, and they would review it after the fact to see what we did. We weren't necessarily, as it was told to us, a news-gathering organization so much as we were a proponent of a point of view. I'd been warned by people. Um, there were a number of people who pulled me inside and said, look, you know, I don't know. I mean, I know that you want to work and I know that you need a job, but you might want to think twice about taking this job because really it is a very conservative news network. Now that I've learned comedy writing at Fox News Channel, I guess I should be doing stand-up in the clubs. I suspect your research has discovered the memoranda that were written by former Fox employees, which were written by John Moody and by Roger, uh, in terms of setting the tone for the day. Uh, the message of the day is a very political uh, device. There was nothing covert about the way uh, the managing editors in New York or Washington operated. They made it perfectly clear what they expected from us. Every morning there was a detailed uh, list of subjects to talk about, not talk about. They were just actually issuing edicts to the reporters to control what they could say and how they could say it. When headquarters sent the memo every morning and said, we want to touch on the following issues, we want to cover the following stories, we want to do them in this particular way, our job and our objective then was to execute the plan. The real revolutionary breakthrough of Fox has been it's eliminated journalism. I mean, that's the thing to understand. What Fox News Channel has done is it's stripped out any notion of journalism as we've traditionally understood it from its product. There is no journalism at the Fox News Channel. The techniques of poll, odd polling and odd graphics of Democrats and weird banners in the lower third of your screen. These are all pretty sophisticated techniques, and they work in collaboration with the most genius marketing slogan in history, which is fair and balanced.
graphics are always moving in the background. They've sort of pioneered the use of the American flag as, as, as an icon of your, your, your news broadcast. Probably 1999, I created the Fox News Alert. We were striving to accomplish a sense of urgency. Urgency in a sense that what was about to be delivered after the Fox News alert was very important, quote-unquote shocking news, specifically Columbine and all the other important news stories of that time. But now, looking back, now that I'm not there, I find it interesting that I've seen the Fox News alert used for stories like Benefer, J-Lo and Ben's relationship. I mean, this compared to a school shooting, and there's really no relationship to me. And I don't understand why, based on what we originally created it for, uh, why they would choose to use it for a story like that. Because the sound and the visual is associated or originally was associated with things that were much more important. They deliberately blur it. And I find it, I find it very hard to believe, you know, there's no separation between Bill O'Reilly, the interviewer, and Bill O'Reilly with his talking points. I mean, there's just no separation at all. It's very hard on Fox News to separate news from commentary because it all blends together. That's what makes it so ridiculous, that slogan, we report, you decide, because there's no TV news channel in history that's ever reported less. For example, a Brit Hume newscast, um, which is presented as a newscast, um, I think you, you see a lot of attitude and opinion, uh, both from the anchor and from the reports. Fox blurs the line between news and commentary all over the place. And we are to believe that Brit Hume is the anchor of a news outlet. He doesn't bring strong politics to it. He just happens to anchor the newscast like Peter Jennings. On Sundays, Brit Hume turns into a rather caustic right-wing uh, pundit. Look, this goes to Murdoch, too. He doesn't believe in objectivity. He doesn't believe he has contempt for journalism, I think. I mean, they want all news to be a matter of opinion, because opinion can't be proven false. And I think that's very dangerous, because if people don't have a set of facts that they can agree on, I think it's difficult to reach a consensus on you know, what's correct public policy. It wasn't so much uh, a scripted design that promoted the off-the-cuff ad-libs that you see so often on Fox News Channel. It was sort of a reinforcement. Any ad-lib that made the Democrats look stupid and made the Republicans look smart would get an attaboy, a, a pat on the back, a wink or a nod. Other journalists use phrases like some people say or officials say when they're trying to insert anonymously information in a story that sort of advances the storyline. Fox does it in a different way. Some people say is Fox's cue that I'm pretending to be an anchor so I can't say this is my opinion or this is Roger Ailes' opinion, but some people say. Journalistically, it's a very peculiar technique because the idea behind journalism is that you're sourcing who you're referring to. This is just sort of a clever way of, of inserting political opinion when you know it probably shouldn't be there. I was given a folder, a little binder, that had the names 
of all the Fox News consultants, you know, the people who were paid to come on the air to give their opinions. To be a Fox News contributor means you're under contract and you're getting paid a set amount. My services were in great demand in December of uh, 2001. The contract expired in January of 2003. And the first thing that I noticed was that I recognized all of the conservatives who were in the roster. Um, they were very well-known people who would come from, you know, talk radio or from some sort of political background. Um, and so I knew all of those people, and they were very, very strong people. I came in and was always, you know, I was going to call it as I saw it. For example, uh, the edict came down apparently to stop referring to suicide bombings in Israel as suicide bombings. You call them homicide bombings. I, mean, I thought that was stupid, and I continued to call them suicide bombings because every bombing that kills someone is a homicide bombing. But when I looked at the liberal roster, um, there was only one person's name who I recognized, which I recognized, and that was Bob Shrum, who is a very well-known speechwriter and political consultant in Washington. The other ones, though, were people I'd never heard of. My entire background was in politics and political journalism, so I knew pretty much all the players in D.C., and I'd never heard of these people. The question came up about the ability of the United States to fight two wars simultaneously, and uh, Sean Hannity, being the you know right-wing cheerleader that he is, was just, you know, incensed that I was had the temerity to suggest that we couldn't. Facts don't seem to have uh, any effect upon him. What was unusual is it was after that appearance that even though I was under contract to Fox for another uh, eight weeks, roughly, they stopped using me. When Richard Clark emerged, it was obvious this was a danger to the administration because he had worked at the highest echelons of the Bush administration. And it was almost like Fox News was working off of the playbook coming out of the White House, that he had to be torn down, he had to be turned into a Democrat, a liberal, a carry guy. See, one of the things that Fox does and conservatives do is they don't have to win every argument, but if they can muddy the argument enough, if they can turn it into a draw, that to them is a victory because it denies the other side of victory. They launched a major smear campaign. In some ways, it worked. And it was just attack politics on a TV channel. Usually, you leave attack politics to a political campaign. They'll try to put on uh, the appearance of being balanced, but really kind of a mismatch. You'll have a Hannity and Combs show where Hannity is a really a good-looking, clean-cut, all-American kind of guy, and, and his counterpart is a little squirrely-looking, frankly. And you kind of say, he's the liberal? Well, maybe he's not so smart after all. And, and, and it sends a subtle message, I think. A lot of the times, the liberals that they get to appear on are either... Uh, you know, faux liberals, like I would use Susan Estridge as an example of that, a person who was brought on who essentially agrees with the person on the right in a lot of cases, or they would just bring on people who were very weak, you know, people who were not well-known people. Um, even the people who are uh, supposedly liberal in those panel discussions, they know that 
uh, to challenge the guests and the other hosts too forcefully. Um, we'll, they'll, they'll certainly find someone else to stand in your place if that's the case. We looked at special reports, one-on-one -on -one interviews. They're once a day. We studied 25 weeks of the one-on-one -on -one guest who appeared on special report from late June through mid-December of 2003. Republicans appeared five times as often as Democrats on one-on-one -on -one newsmaker interviews. That means that Republicans made up 83% of the partisan guests, while Democrats made up just 17%. In addition, the few Democrats that were interviewed for the show tended to be centrist and conservative Democrats, often brought on to affirm Bush administration policies. So what does this all mean? Well, if Fox were the bastion of fairness and balance that it claims to be, we'd see a lot more balance in this prominent interview segment on the network's most prestigious show. Instead, the numbers indicate that Brit Hume and Special Report choose their guests based on political considerations rather than news judgment. My criticism of Fox News isn't that it's a conservative channel. It's the consumer fraud of fair and balanced. It's nothing of the sort. You pitch a story in any given uh, editorial meeting that didn't meet the criteria that they had explained to you, and you got a thumbs down. Fox News Channel's uh, stated uh, practice was to embarrass, humiliate, challenge, or, uh, or, or disrupt whatever uh, Jesse Jackson and whatever Jesse Jackson did. But we were told by our bureau chief on many occasions that the Reverend Jesse Jackson was one of our targets. Anything we could do or say that would embarrass him, humiliate him, discredit him, we were encouraged to find the information and we were encouraged to report the information. Ronald Reagan's 90th birthday. For Fox News Channel viewers, though, as I was instructed, this was something akin to a holy day. This was Ronald Reagan's birthday. And so my assignment was to go to the Reagan Presidential Library in Simi Valley, California, and to do live shots from uh, before dawn until, uh, until dark uh, to report on Ronald Reagan's birthday. That was pretty much the sort of vague, broad-based assignment that I had that day. It wasn't anything specific until they saw my first three or four live shots early in the morning and uh, Mr. Moody called in to say, what is he doing out there? Apparently my live shots weren't celebratory enough. You know, there was a, a class of, uh, of fourth graders who came to the library that day to take the tour. Um, and uh, they were lined up and they sang happy birthday uh, to you. But that was pretty much the extent of the celebration. There weren't very many people at the Presidential Library. There wasn't a celebration of any organ in any organized way going on. And I was frankly at a bit of a loss as to what to say or do to make it seem like there was a big celebration on Ronald Reagan's birthday. So I got in trouble for that one.
I got in big trouble for that one. In fact, I was suspended. What you will see, of course, is intensive discussion about what we call the wedge issues. You'll hear, you know, uh, affirmative action. You'll hear abortion. You'll hear certainly gay rights. Uh, God in, in uh, separation of church and state issues will be on television every single day. Their job, which is what the right-wing Republicans want to do, is to divide America up, ignore the important economic, health care, environmental issues, and they do that extremely successfully. They did start up on gay marriage, but I think that they got sort of blindsided. They all of a sudden couldn't show the usual footage they used to show, because they used to love to show the footage, of course, the parades and the black leather and, you know, the drag queens. Then they had, you know, very kind of normal-looking, dumpy, middle-aged couples getting married and smooching on the steps of City Hall. So I've noticed a certain kind of uh, zest going out of the gay marriage thing. But that the opposite, uh, where they picked up the slack, is on anything to do with religion, anything to do with the Ten Commandments, anything to do with God. They're going to push God very, very hard, particularly going up into Bush's re-election. Christian fundamentalist movement is one that believes in we're right, you're wrong, no matter what. And I saw a lot of that at Fox. We're right, you're wrong, no matter what. The O'Reilly Factor is probably the perfect example of everything that's wrong with Fox News Channel. You have stories that are selected primarily to upset liberals and, and Democrats and prop up the Republican Party. You have a hostility towards guests that disagree with the host. And you have a host who, in service of his conservative politics, will, will distort facts, will misrepresent things, and uh, will, in some cases, just fabricate. Jeremy Glick is the son of a, a Port Authority worker who died in at 9-11 and he had signed a anti-war petition and O'Reilly had to have him on. And they were so persistent about getting me on the O'Reilly show because they found out that I was on the advisory board and signed a statement that was against the war and then I was directly impacted by 9-11. The success that I had on the O'Reilly show had to do, obviously, with preparation in my life and now political, political work in my life, but it also had to do with just before, just practice and preparation. What I did, and it was just someone gave me a bunch of strategies, what I did is I taped the shows, I had somebody tape the shows for a couple weeks. And what I did is I took a stopwatch that I used to use for running sprints in high school, and I would see when he has a hostile a guest where he knows that he's going to anticipate profound disagreement, and I would time how long it takes for him to cut them off. I said, I'm shocked that you're surprised, and basically just made the only point I wanted to make. And it was extremely intimidating sitting down in the studio because he's really tall. And like, dude, he lords over you. And Jeremy was pretty, pretty cool during it, uh, but and he was giving his political views, which were very to the left of O'Reilly's. He said, "Oh, I don't really care what you think politically," 
And I said, obviously, you do care because, A, you brought me on the show, and, B, I told him that he uses 9-11 and sympathy with the 9-11 families and the, and the lives lost to rationalize his narrow right-wing agenda. And it's unfair for O'Reilly to evoke both my mom and my father in the interview, especially when I wasn't. You know, I mean, she's, my mom is a grieving widow for a prematurely and a violent, horrific turn in their lives. My dad was only 55. He was, they were working people, with, you know, working class, middle class. Like, they were not retiring for a while, they, you know, and their life is basically destroyed. You know, their life together is destroyed and destroyed in circumstances that I wouldn't wish uh, my worst enemies, including Bill O'Reilly, him gesturing to security guards. Then came the after film performance. After they're off the air, he said to the kids on the effect, get out of my studio before I fucking tear you to pieces. So Jeremy, and I've talked to him since, went actually went to the green room to get a cup of coffee. <laughs> And the executive producer and the assistant encouraged me to leave the building because they were, quote, concerned that if O'Reilly ran into me in the hallway, he would end up in jail. Next day, I just turned on and watched the, the follow-up and saw my views totally distorted. Next thing I know, I was saying Bush planned 9-11. That paints me as, as a fringe conspiracy nut. This kid said nothing, nothing in the, the uh, original interview with O'Reilly about uh, President Bush and his father, Bush the Elder, orchestrating the attack on their own country. He said nothing of that sort. Glick said, can I sue him? And so I called the lawyer who was in my case of Fox versus Dutton and Franken, he says, well, the kid has to prove that O'Reilly knew he was lying. And O'Reilly is so crazy, he lies so pathologically, that it's harder to prove that O'Reilly knew he was lying. So oddly enough, if someone has a record of crazily lying, <laughs> it is harder to sue them for defamation. Many of the themes that are promoted on the Fox News channel have to do with generating fear, whether that's fear of immigration, a fear of sexual difference, a fear of racial difference. When you pander to fear, it's a great motivator and organizer. You've got to keep people alarmed. That they really love this sense of fear and danger even when it's not there. And so when something is actually dangerous, as some things are, uh, they go completely overboard. And all sense of perspective is lost. So that anthrax, which I guess affected four or five people adversely, no question about it, is far more dangerous than, you know, the poisoning of our air. The motivator is fear. 
And then the payoff is, you know, we're going to go out and kill the bad guys. And, you know, it's a very simple black and white world that they uh, paint and portray. Terrorism has become the all-purpose fear weapon because now everything is converted into terrorism. And, of course, if you have a constant sense of unease, then you're going to look to the government to protect you. You're going to look to strong government. There are these enemy out there. It's an ill-defined enemy, but as long as we're fighting them and we're killing them and he's looking presidential, then nothing else, again, is discussed. What was interesting is in the climate of the Bush administration that much of that fear, the emotion, uh, was purposely misdirected by the right wing uh, into uh, the war in Iraq. The type of coverage Fox offers, and all of them offer, but Fox is probably the most pristine version, is completely consistent with Bush's, um, with, with the strategy of the Bush administration, A, to uh, prevent discussion of things that are not going well, like, for instance, the economy or the Medicare bill. There's no doubt that the war against Iraq, a country that did not attack us, could only proceed based on fear. The first rule of being a great propaganda system, and why our system is vastly superior to anything in the old Soviet Union, is not that people think they're being subject to propaganda. If people don't think that, they aren't looking for that, they're much easier to propagandize. And that's the genius of our media system, is a system of ideology, of control, compared to an authoritarian system. Fox has made a decision uh, to present the Iraq War as a success, and as an ongoing success. The senior producer told the two or three writers for her news hour, she told us, now just keep in mind it's all good. This is such a fair and balanced issue. Keep it positive. We've got to emphasize all the good that we're doing. She at that point made a reference to rebuilding schools, bringing democracy to Iraq, and then she said, see, big progress. Yoo-hoo for us. Things were actually at that point going quite badly. Many more American soldiers were dying each day, and God knows how many Iraqis. The people survey is interesting because you were looking at questions of, of basic true-false kind of factual nature. Did we find weapons of mass destruction in Iraq? These are very simple questions with very simple answers, and what the survey found was that the more likely you were to watch Fox News Channel, the more likely you were to have completely incorrect assumptions about these things. All the research shows a very high correlation in the case of Fox News uh, with people watching it, uh, with having a very confused notion of the world on one hand, especially of foreign policy in the Middle East, and also being strongly supportive of the government in power. And this is an extraordinarily disturbing trend for the media. I mean, for any self-respecting journalist, if you're told the more people consume your media, the, the less they'll know about the subject and the more they'll support government policy. And that's, that's exactly the worst thing any journalist would ever want to hear or should want to hear. In terms of Fox overall, I think we have got to appreciate, and when we look at them, is to understand that this is an adjunct of the Republican Party.
what Fox specializes in is punditry, basically getting marching orders from the Republican National Committee or some political operative, and then having people pontificate about it, have guests come on and talk about it, uh, have pseudo-experts come on and, and discuss it. Their main allegiances, I'm talking about the people at the top, is to the Republican Party. Murdoch is, is absolutely to his core uh, a partisan, and uh, he makes no secret about that. So the first person who made the call to say that George W. Bush had been elected President of the United States was the person who was in charge of Fox News' election analysis division, the people that crunched the exit polling numbers. That person was a gentleman named John Ellis and he is George W. Bush's first cousin. At around two in the morning on election night, the, a new set of data had come in, and it was complex data with, from precincts all over Florida. The proper answer in analyzing that data unquestionably was you couldn't tell. It was too close to call. There was simply no clear winner. Instead, John Ellis called it as a clear win for George Bush. Fox News then interrupted its ongoing election coverage and announced that George Bush had been elected President of the United States. Now what's significant about that is not the intervention of the President's cousin to declare his relative the new President of the United States. It was the fact that within minutes, ABC, NBC, CBS also fell right in line calling Bush as the winner. There's no way that they could have crunched the data in that time to come to that conclusion. In fact, quite the opposite. They should have come to the conclusion which Associated Press came to, which was that you couldn't make a call. When Fox made the call that Bush had won and the other networks followed on, that created the perception that Bush was the winner. In fact, he wasn't. But that perception was what really held for the next 37 days. And I would suggest to you that that call on election night had more to do with making George Bush president than any recount or ballot design issue. In the old Soviet Union, you used to hear about the party line shifting 180 degrees. Watching Fox News at the end of Clinton where it was all attack mode, where they were just vicious watchdogs. And then Bush takes power and they're like little lap dogs. It was like night and day, and it's a party line shift. They will give you the, the, almost the full Bush stump speech no matter where it is, no matter how many times they've shown it. Go cut live to these campaign rallies as if there was going to be real news in them, as if Bush was going to say anything earth-shattering. Fox portrays his every action as a heroic move, as a, you know, something dramatic and significant. I imagine it's pretty hard for the Fox producers. Some days George Bush doesn't do anything interesting, and yet they've got to find something that makes him heroic that day. Most people just started waking up and saying, oh, you mean we don't have the fairness doctrine anymore? 
I can't tell you how many times when I was a political candidate running for office, I would have somebody come up to me on the street and say, now I saw your opponent on TV the other day. Aren't they supposed to give you equal time? And I didn't even know for years that we lost that in the Reagan era, that for years we haven't had the ability to expect both sides to be adequately covered. Clearly on the Republican side, what we do know is that for years they have coordinated what they call uh, their message of the day. So you'll hear on the floor of the House, you'll hear on Rush Limbaugh, you'll hear on uh, Fox and Rupert Murdoch's network the issue of the day which they will pound away at, which then creates the echo chamber which resonates throughout America. You see a picture of George Bush, you expect to see, hear organ music that would come out of a church swelling, the, the backlit head, you know, the, the Madonna look, and then a picture of John Kerry flashes and you hear the, the devil's voice, this is the devil, he is evil. Every week there's so many ways you can play the economic story. At Fox News, it's only the upbeat. They select statistics that prove the economy is moving up, and thank God for President Bush for doing it. When the market goes down, one of the things you often hear is the market is worried about a carry victory. And how they know that the market went down because everybody had carry on their mind as opposed to everyone was worried about interest rates or everyone looked at the earnings figures and thought they weren't as good as projected. But they, they, they love to pretend that they're Karnak the Magnificent. They can read the mind of the market. What makes Murdoch particularly dangerous is that he's foremost uh, a politician. And he will use his immense media power to shape the content, especially the news, that furthers his interests and those of his uh, allies, including uh, the conservative Republican community. After all, Fox News is nothing more than a 24-7 uh, political ad for the GOP. MSNBC, I worked as a senior producer on the Donahue, Phil Donahue primetime show. But at MSNBC, from the beginning, they were saying to us, we have to be balanced. And for months, they were telling Phil, giving him instructions not to be too confrontational. Don't be too partisan. Don't be too angry. You have to be balanced. Now, by the end of our tenure at uh, Donahue show with MSNBC, balance wasn't enough. And this is the Fox effect. They mandated that any time we had, if we had two uh, left-wing guests, we had to have three right-wing guests. If we had one anti-war guest, we had to have two pro-war guests. And that's how we ended the show. So we're like trying to outfox Fox. You cannot outfox Fox. But MSNBC and the others have tried. CNBC has tried to outfox Fox. Since the corporate structures uh, and corporate ownership of the other channels does not allow anyone to counter-program against Fox. You know, in television, the inclination is imitation. It's influencing its competitors. Uh, that's why, uh, you know, uh, MSNBC hired Joe Scarborough. That's why CNN in, in recent weeks has taken to reporting pretty much anything the Bush White House tells it to report. There is a sense now that there is money in the flag, and Fox knows that, and its competitors know that Fox is on to something. Today, news business is geared toward entertainment, 
It's geared toward, in some cases, propaganda. It's geared toward, ultimately, the bottom line of a big corporation that owns the station, that owns the news operation. It's called the news business for a reason. Uh, it is news, but it's a business. They don't like to spend money doing serious stories. They like to do cheap, easy stories that uh, will get a gut reaction. The thing I think that distresses me more than anything else is that a lot of the news content is not coming straight out of the newsrooms, particularly in television, um, but out of the promotion department. It's expensive to spend time exploring the issues. It's cheap, and everything now is a question of money. If you go to the National Association of Black Journalists, or you go to the National Association of Hispanic Journalists, or you talk to Asian American journalists who are on air, you talk to Native American journalists, you're seeing a diminution in the number of journalists that are locally based. Because in order to save money, and in order to get economies of scale and scope, a lot of the broadcasters are shrinking their employee, employee pool, and they're shrinking them in the news sector, sectors of their stations. So a lot of the young, vibrant people who are getting experience as on-air talent in small towns are seeing those opportunities increasingly diminish. When you let a small number of companies have this much concentrated power, they will always abuse it. It's simply unacceptable in a free society. And if you don't change the system, we can be having this conversation for the next 50 years. We'll be talking about Rupert Murdoch III. Just as healthcare and the economy um, and the environment are political issues that people are familiar with, corporate control over the media is also a major political issue. When you have one network that is so powerful and so intent upon warping the dialogue, it limits that discourse. It actually influences it to be a narrower discourse. And that's what I think citizens ought to be up in arms about. We can't accept this anymore. If we do accept it, we are handing on to our children and our grandchildren a lesser democracy than we inherited. And that's the one thing we don't have a right to do. It's ironic that it's been, what, 30 years since Patty Chayefsky wrote Network. But I really believe that those prophetic words that were spoken by Peter Finch when he finally got out of the chair and said, it's time, go to the window, shake your fist and say, I'm mad as hell. I'm not going to take it anymore. I think those are resonant words today. I think people are genuinely upset. Get off your rear end and become an activist. And if you see things that are biased, complain to the outlet and say you won't be watching it anymore. Content has to change. Power has to shift. And I think the only way we can shift power is the only way we've ever been able to shift power, by directly confronting those who hold it and taking it back. 
policies have been made behind closed doors by very powerful specialists without any public involvement or participation. And what we've learned in the last few years is when the public gets aware of this and they start organizing, we can change these policies and we can make a system that actually responds to the needs of the people of this country. America's digital destiny is hanging in the balance now. With the right activism, public outcry, we can shape a media environment so that in every community there are channels that actually serve the public interest. If you are a citizen at home right now, when you turn on talk radio, all you hear is one right-wing nut or another right-wing nut, why don't you go to the radio station and say, I'm sick and tired of this. There are progressive voices out there. We want a balance. If a Fox TV station in, in your town is broadcasting reports that you know to be inaccurate, that you know to be warping the news, you as citizens have power. Groups like Code Pink and others have actually demonstrated outside television stations and have made noise about it. We need to basically play the Paul Revere role to uh, you know, kind of ride out into the night alerting people that uh, there's something bad going on here and, and something needs to be done about it. Here's what I'd love to have happen. Family from Nebraska goes to Washington for the family vacation. We're going to visit the Air and Space Museum. We're going to visit the mall. We're going to visit the Vietnam Memorial, and we're going to visit the FCC to see a commissioner or two to tell them about what we care about. When that happens, you might start to see a little more attention. But, you know, it ain't going to happen if you don't try it. We can actually win here. The whole strength of the system has been based on people being apathetic and not thinking they could do anything about it. As soon as we rise up, it collapses like a house of cards. That's the extraordinary development of the last two years. It is not an issue of the right or the left. It is a populist issue about people finally saying it's their democracy and they aren't going to let five companies control the airways for corporate convenience at the expense of public necessity. I come from a community in the, in the state of Maine that's mostly uh, fishing towns, small coastal communities, and uh, for many years we were served by one radio station that everybody listened to. I mean, it was local radio. Every time I debated an opponent when I was running for office, everybody would tune it in in their cars or their home radio, and they would hear what we were feeling differently about. And when Clear Channel bought it, that was the end. You couldn't even count on somebody looking out the window and telling you if it was a good day or a bad day or if the fog was coming in. But what was really interesting to me was that people got so angry, there was a local group that organized and attempted to get a low-power FM radio license. Uh, they had a hard-fought battle. Uh, Clear Channel opposed them, and they actually won, and now there is a little radio station operated out of a garage in that town. All volunteers, anybody can play the music that they want, but at 5 o'clock every day, they tune in to the dialogue of what's going on in that community. What we've been doing over the last decade is to create this alternative infrastructure so that we now have an online audience of 10,000 unique visitors per day to our homepage, plus the over-the-air audience of our new uh, low-power FM radio station. And very soon, we're going to have public access TV in this community. So we're, we've got three legs of a, of a stool here of an alternative media infrastructure that gives us a means of communicating among ourselves and not just relying on the occasional letter to the editor in the corporate newspaper or 
almost no coverage in uh, the broadcast media because they're all owned by Clear Channel and, and uh, Sinclair or Fox. When the Youth Media Council started, one of our first projects was to um, recruit unorganized youth of color, teenagers, and have them study the Fox affiliate station in the Bay Area. When we did the study, we were able to do an editorial meeting. It was the first time in probably 10 or 15 years that a constituency group locally had actually ever came and demanded anything from them. They just get to do whatever they want. Nobody cares. Nobody understands that they can demand anything. So it was a pretty momentous moment for us, you know, to, to both demand something and get it from a Fox affiliate, but also to be one of the first, you know, folks to come forward. And that's, that's something that I think is a, is a trend that we're trying to start now. Marginalized people don't have any concept that they can go to an editor in groups and demand something.
Whether you call it commercial redemption or accept it for value, the Commerce Game Exposed is the book that will help you understand this process. The fact is, there is no lawful money in circulation. The explanation and details as to how this happened are enlightening, and the instructions concerning what one can do with this information are detailed and easy to understand. Utilizing this process is not for everyone, but learning how lawful money has been turned into commercial debt instruments should be of concern to everyone. The Commerce Game Exposed book is a good tool to learn the commercial nature of the New World Order. To order the Commerce Game Exposed, go to www.theamericanvoice.com or call 541-826-9050. That's 541-826-9050. Time is money and knowledge is power. That's why you need the Basic Research Library CD from the American Voice now. This CD contains the Federalist Papers, which are the definitive writings illustrating the intent of the Constitution, and the Anti-Federalist Papers, which read like a crystal ball to everything gone wrong concerning the present-day Constitution. This CD also contains Bovier's Law Dictionary and the Uniform Commercial Code, plus the inaugural speeches of the U.S. Presidents, the U.N. Charter, NAFTA, Hitler's Mein Kampf, the full Communist Manifesto, the Patriot Act 1 and 2, the model anti-bioterrorism law, the Homeland Security Bill, the FBI's Project Medigo, and too much more to mention here. The CD contains over a thousand files. To order your CD, go to www.theamericanvoice.com or call us at 541-826-9050. That's 541-826-9050 for ordering information. Inside story of the cozy relationship between the makers of big box office American war movies and the Pentagon. To be a superpower, there's a basic belief that you must glorify war in order to get the public to accept the fact that you're going to send their sons and daughters to die. We are at war. The Passionate Eye presents Operation Hollywood. Hello, I'm Michael Jean. Welcome to The Passionate Eye. In the 1980s Hollywood movie Top Gun, Tom Cruise plays a fighter pilot who feels the need, the need for speed. 
The film made big money for Hollywood, but for the U.S. military that backed the film and assisted in its production, there was an even bigger victory. Top Gun became a turning point in public opinion about the might of the U.S. military and its ability to win wars, and it became a powerful recruiting tool. But it was not the first time that Hollywood and the Pentagon have worked together. Tonight's film, Operation Hollywood, traces this relationship and the impact it has had on popular culture and America's view of war. I want you to remember that no bastard ever won war by dying for his country. He won it by making the other poor dumb bastard die for his country. And then, all this stuff you've heard about America not wanting to fight, wanting to stay out of the war, is a lot of horse dung. Americans traditionally love to fight. All real Americans love the sting of battle. When you were kids, you all admired the champion marble shooter, the fastest runner, big league ball players, the toughest boxers. Americans love a winner and will not tolerate a loser. Americans play to win all the time. I wouldn't give a hoot in hell for a man who lost and laughed. That's why Americans have never lost and will never lose a war. Because the very thought of losing is hateful to Americans. That's the key. I was a reporter at the Hollywood Trade Papers for 20 years. Uh, I was the labor, legal, and investigative reporter, and I was interested in organized crime and discrimination against minorities, uh, the blacklist, a lot of things. But this was always something I was, I was interested in, because I'd always heard that uh, filmmakers who want military assistance have to give their scripts, and I thought, well, gee, I wonder if there's any paperwork on this. So I started looking into it and I found that there are tens of thousands of pages of documents, uh, the correspondence between the producers, internal memos uh, written by the military, and I love documents and this is a book and a story that really can only be told with the documents. So I just became obsessed with the documents and the documents are really startling. This is a TV show from the 1950s, a very popular TV show in America called Lassie, about a little boy and his dog. And they did several uh, shows that had to do with the military. 
and the military had all kinds of uh, suggested changes in the story. There was an episode called Timmy versus the Martians. The little boy thinks he's the contacted Martian, and there was a plane crash. In the original story, the Army came out and did a test and picked up all the pieces of the crashed airplane, and they took it to the wind tunnel and tested it, and they determined that the reason Lassie howled was because it heard a, she heard a, a high-pitched vibration in the wing that was a malfunction in the design of the airplane. And that Lassie had now saved the day because of Lassie howling. They knew what the problem was, and now they could fix all the airplanes so this wouldn't happen again. But when they asked the military for assistance, all they wanted was some some standard footage of a, of a Cessna airplane, reconnaissance military aircraft. They said, no, we won't help you unless you change the script to make it so that the airplane was not faulty. There's no problem with the aircraft. So this is, these are their, their notes right here. These are the military notes to the producers of Lassie. We have also reviewed the Timmy versus the Martians. We have reviewed the script and interposed no objections except that we strongly recommend that you change the circumstances of the airplane crash. They don't want children to get the idea that the military makes faulty equipment because children of those are the main targets of the recruiting efforts because they make children like the army, like the military, like everything about the military, and so when they grow up, they'll want to join the military. Over and over, the documents are full of statements where they are targeting children to be future recruits. And the children and the people who see these films don't know that this is an advertisement for the military. The military generally uh, allow themselves to be involved with, uh, with Hollywood um, because they're already spending tens of millions of dollars every year on making promotional commercials to try and um, get recruits. On the other hand, we in Hollywood just want to, you know, make a bigger and better movie, um, giving the audience more bang for their buck. Um, so it's not hard to see what, what we're trying to get out of it. The vast majority of people around the world have never lived through war. While some have witnessed its horrors, few have actually participated in combat. Most of our ideas about war come from watching movies. Above all, American movies. Hollywood has never stopped filming visions of war in all its possible forms, scales and fronts. Past wars, present wars, and future wars. Just some a handful of films that went through the Pentagon approval process. This is behind enemy lines, full cooperation, GI Jane, no cooperation, Full Metal Jacket, which showed uh, soldiers killing Marines, killing other Marines, no cooperation. Thirteen days, no cooperation. Top Gun, great uh, film for the Navy, full cooperation. Platoon, no cooperation. The military hated that movie. Three Kings, of course, showing uh, soldiers stealing gold from the Iraqis, no cooperation. Patton, of course, they love this picture, full cooperation. Pearl Harbor, again, full cooperation. How long is America going to pretend the world 
Tokyo, we have been described as a nation of weaklings and playboys who hire British or Russian or Chinese soldiers to do our fighting for us. view of uh, the events leading up to and the day of the attack. It was a typical Jerry Bruckheimer uh, recruiting poster for the military. We are at war. Perhaps the worst thing about the collaboration between Hollywood and the military is not the censorship that goes into the, into the, the films, but the self-censorship. When you know that you're going to need the military's assistance and you know that they're going to be looking at your script, you write it to make them happy right from the beginning. I mean, it is so terrible that you don't really have to know much history to recognize it's absurd. I mean, some people who don't know anything will think it's history, and this is part of the problem, because if, if it was called Tennessee, which was the working title, then it's a fictional story, it's a love story, and Michael Bay said he was making a love story as long as Pearl Harbor wasn't too far in the background because he loved to blow up ships. But if you're going to call it Pearl Harbor, then there's a presumption that this is about Pearl Harbor. In the late 1920s, the American War Department created an office to act as a bridge between the motion picture industry and the armed forces. understood that Pearl Harbor was going to be essentially uh, an action picture with an element of romance. It was not going to be an attempt to replicate history as a docudrama. So we understood that. We did not enter into our relationship on Pearl Harbor with any illusions that this was going to turn out to be a kind of man for all seasons. It was not advertised to be that way. The filmmakers didn't pretend that it was going to be that way. So we knew that to some extent, history was going to be the sacrificial victim in the service of drama and action. But what we did believe, and I think that was borne out quite considerably, was that the film would awaken or reawaken interest in the period and in the survivors who were dying off by the hundreds of thousands. And we were quite gratified, in fact, that up to the release of the picture and long after the release of the picture, an enormous amount of attention. In fact, more attention paid on Pearl Harbor, the survivors, the combatants, than during the 50th anniversary of the attack on Pearl Harbor by a substantial margin. From the earliest days of motion pictures, the American armed forces understood the importance of encouraging the production of films about war and combat. In helping them to make wings, the first major cooperation between Hollywood and the Pentagon, the military went well beyond its role as technical advisor and became directly involved in the logistics of the production. 
Between the First and Second World Wars, American war movements celebrated the bravery of its soldiers and gave the armed forces an aura of invincibility. Beginning in 1941, Hollywood joined the war. By 1943, over 26,000 members of the film industry were under the American flag. Never before had Hollywood and the military been so close. Stars traveled to distant fronts to raise troop morale. All sectors of the industry, from artists to technicians, were called to lend a hand. The army enlisted several Hollywood veterans to film the war. John Ford followed the events in the Pacific. William Wyler and John Sturgis, the aerial battles in Europe. And George Stevens, the D-Day landing. Among these films of undeniable courage and generosity, one in particular stands out as an unforgettable statement about the reality of war. And yet for over 30 years, it was banned in America. The guns are quiet now. The papers of peace have been signed. And the oceans of the earth are filled with ships coming home. In faraway places, men dreamed of this moment. But for some men, the moment is very different from the dream. salvage, the final result of all that metal and fire can do to violate mortal flesh. Somewhere the badges of their pain, the crutches, the bandages, the splints. Others show no outward signs, yet they too are wounded. listen to the stories of the men who tell them as best they can. The names and places are different. The circumstances are different. But through all the stories runs one thread. Death and the fear of death. Hollywood continued to celebrate the military feats and traditional heroism of American soldiers during World War II, the perfect example of a just war. The Longest Day is one of the most important films to come from this period. It represents a high point in the relationship between Hollywood and the Pentagon. Never again would they achieve the same level of mutual cooperation. But these images shot by George Stevens at the liberation of the Nazi concentration camps remain a shocking counterpoint to Hollywood's heroic visions of war.
there's one thing that you men will be able to say when you get back home. And you may thank God for it. Thirty years from now, when you're sitting around your fireside with your grandson on your knee, and he asked you, what did you do in the great World War II? You won't have to say, well, I shoveled shit in Louisiana. Judy was boring. Hello. Then Judy discovered Jumbacasino.com. It's my little escape. Now Judy's the life of the party. Oh, baby, mama's bringing home the bacon. Whoa, take it easy, Judy. The Chumba life is for everybody. So go to ChumbaCasino.com and play over 100 casino-style games. Join today and play for free for your chance to redeem some serious prizes. ChumbaCasino.com. No purchase necessary. Voidware prohibited by law. 18 plus terms and conditions apply. See website for details.